All right, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of The Handsome Boys. I am super excited to talk about the, the movie we're going to talk about today. It is probably the last of our summer blockbuster series, which we haven't really called a series at all. But it's mm-hmm. another summer blockbuster You didn't movie. know it, but it was happening. Yeah. And uh, as uh, all great summer blockbusters do, this play takes place on a mountain in the snow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, when I think of when I think of summer, yeah. uh, ice, uh, you know... Uh, pickaxes. Sylvester Stallone's Sylvester muscular Stallone. muscular body. Yeah. Um, Sylvester so, Stallone's ass. Uh, surprise. Summer blockbusters. <laughs> surprise. It's going to be a Sylvester Stallone movie. But uh, I'm really excited to talk about that. But before we get into that, we have a whole bunch of other stuff to get into today. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about a video game for a change. So, Wait, Nathan, are you not even going to ask me how I'm doing? I was just about to say, but before we do all that, Chris, how are you doing this week? I'm fine. Fuck. That was so anticlimactic. But anyway, yes. So um, I didn't really watch anything this week, and I didn't really play anything. And I think that's because, well, I did watch a couple things, but I didn't really play anything. And that's because I just beat The Last of Us 2, and I have no idea how I'm possibly going to play another video game right now that's going to live up to that. I'm trying to chase The Last of Us 2 Dragon. I'm going through my extensive Steam and Xbox One libraries. I'm I'm going onto all my old video game clients like Epic and Origin and GOG looking for a fucking just something to play that's going to give me yeah. something. So a little a little peek behind the curtain. Nathan and I, are, our good friend Drew, uh, lent us his PlayStation. Neither yeah. of us own a PlayStation. Yeah, props, so think, uh, props to Drew for loaning us that you, PS4. Thank you. Uh, he, Nathan got it first. He just finished The Last of Us 2, a game we've both been dying to play oh my God, since man. we heard about it. And uh, mm. I have it now. I'm about an hour or two into the game. You must be at least two hours in if you're in Seattle now. Yeah, okay. All right, yeah. so let's not go any further. Uh, spoiler alert. We're going to talk about The Last of Us 2. Uh, we're going to we'll talk about the first hour or two. We're going to talk about the first oh, okay. little bit of it. Just okay. kind of a preview. So, spoiler alert. Yeah, we're going to do spoilers. This is going to be... So, if you haven't played this game and you're going to play it, do not listen uh, for the next, I don't know, say 10 or 15 minutes or so. It's um, about 45 minutes. 45 minutes. We're going to need to talk. All right. So we're going to take a little quick break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to get into the uh, first bit, little preview of our Last of Us 2 episode that we're eventually going to do, and we'll talk to you bitches soon. Spoiler alert. Okay, so... Okay, so... Spoilers. The Last of, the last of Us 2. All right, so... Have we said spoilers enough? Uh, spoilers. So right off the bat, I, gotta, I don't know about you, but I was absolutely appalled. <laughs> that you're playing as a woman and a goddamn lesbian. Oh, finally. Someone who understands how I feel about it. I mean, what does this country come to when you're playing... Never mind, I'm just kidding. Uh, I could actually care less a about that. A woman isn't capable of firing a gun. They don't have the manual dexterity. My only thing about this game was like, is Ellie old enough to be sought after at this predatory level? Uh, I think she's like... It eight- interesting they don't say her age. I think she's 18. It's implied she's like 18 or 19. I think she's 18 because she's 14. I'm pretty sure they say multiple times she's 14. I mean, she looks like she's on her way to college. Like she's yeah. leaving town and heading heading to college. And, and to, to, to lick all the pussy when she gets to college, <laughs> yeah. right? With, steal everybody's girlfriend. Yeah, steal them all. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so we get, so in this game, surprise, uh, and I guess a lot of people were kind of shocked about this, which I don't get because you end the first game playing as Ellie. So I assumed you would start the second game playing as her, but I guess they really do tease you right at the beginning. You play Joel for like a few seconds, you kind of ride a horse. I think you said, 
oh, I get it now. All AAA game development has become a horse riding simulator. Yeah, by 2025, all AAA <laughs> titles will be pure horse I did, simulators. I did get Red Dead Redemption 2 deja vu in that moment. Like, I, guess, I think the horse riding mechanics are probably a little better in Red Dead than in this game. Well, because this game, they're, just, they're not really... It's, it's, not, not, it's not about the horse. No, no. It's about the, brutal, the brutalizing of the infected and yeah. uh, other people. So... I mean, first impressions, like, I mean, as if you expected anything else, but it, the game is stunningly beautiful. It really Probably is. the best looking video game it out is. right now. It's better, like, it's a better looking video game than what you'd find on a high-end PC. And not, not, and not, maybe not the resolution. I'm not talking about, like, yeah, you can turn, you know, Just Cause 3 into a better looking game than it was ever meant to be. Yeah. But all the, some, the, some of the parts don't come together it's to look the I, way that this I don't game know looks. What Naughty Dog has figured out for the, Dude, I, the PlayStation hardware when it comes to like facial. Um, it's not even just the face. Like, the faces, man. And it's the skin. It's the way the, the muscles move under oh. the skin when you're climbing a ladder. Turn the camera sideways and watch the character climb the ladder, and you can see their muscles move Everything underneath there. their triceps. It's fucking and, nuts. I mean, I'm an avid, like, lifelong gamer, so I can get into a story even if, like, a game looks awkward or blocky or whatever. But, man, it is so nice having a game be so flawlessly visually presented that it just feels like something other than a video game a lot of the time. It does until it doesn't, and that's the best part about The Last of Us, because as many, um, as, mu as much as it is this, like, AAA movie, you know, experience, like, the gamey parts are so hilarious. Like, oh. setting a trap, like, you haven't got there yet, but you'll get, you know, you can, like, build up your skills, and eventually right. you can set, like, a nail bomb trap. Right, right, right. And just watching... There's some of that in The Last Just watching fucking, like, infected watch through those things and go, that, <laughs> like so this. That was something I wanted to say about this game is like, unlike another beautiful visual like feast of a game like um, Detroit Become Human. Which is a gorgeous game, yeah. Uh, this game also maxes out like it's a 10 out of 10 as far as a game goes. It yeah. is one of the best, if not the so best, good. like third person action yeah. shooter out there. It's so fun. It does, it does, it kind of what it, it kind of perfects those like those kind of controls like Red Dead Redemption 2 really did this interesting thing where it gave the character a lot of weight but that almost in some some like of the more like frantic sequences was kind of cumbersome because you kind of felt like Arthur was like this fucking sloth that you're flinging yeah, across the screen I do love that me too but like at times it's like you want it to be a little more snappy and The Last of Us finally I think found that balance between making the characters feel real and yeah. have weight to them but also like it's still a game you can still drop out from cover and fucking knock someone's head off from 40 feet away right yeah totally yeah it's hard to find flaws with any element of the game. I mean, and there are, and I think that the flaws that do exist, and I don't want to nitpick it, and I hate shitting on games that are just great, but like the, the there are issues with the with the storytelling and the sort of thematic choices that they make that, to me, like were clearly business decisions on the back end. Like I'm all for diversity in games. I don't think every protagonist needs to be white or a man or a straight man or whatever. But when you kind of go out of your way to make to hit all the different census marks. Of a game, it's a little ham-fisted. Yeah, way, it's just kind of like, come on, man! Like, are we really sure that in the apocalypse, like, are you sure that there wouldn't be like a white supremacist cult that bound bound together? Like, all the races are just going to survive together. So, like, sure, you're taking this leap of faith to make the game racially neutral, but then at the same time, when you're playing as uh, Ellie I mean, and you're stabbing a black guy, considering that we're on the verge of the apocalypse right now, you know, it and just it's seemed, all about the racial divide. It just seems like <laughs> it just seems like the type of thing that you shouldn't really worry about, especially when you're making a bold step and you're. You're being the first game to make your character like straight up openly lesbian, like no bisexual ambiguity here, right? Yeah. This character, Ellie is a uh, Ellie is a fucking dyke, man. Like Ellie's not like, which you is know. 
great, like a, a because it doesn't it, matter. It doesn't feel like a like a uh, what white male gazy like version of not a, not at all. I not mean, at all. She's pretty or whatever, but like she doesn't. Yeah, I mean her friend maybe. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so Dina is the only Dina. real issue, and and you do and Dina did grow on me a bit as the game went on, but I found like the like the the introduction of Dina, which is Ellie's girlfriend, to be totally convoluted, and like at that, that point in the game, which is very early on, right, you're just starting out as Ellie, you're just about to go on your first patrol with Dina, and you find out that the previous night there was a party at this compound that you live at, right, mm-hmm. which is where the first game ends, right, you know Joel's brother's compound. We're was assuming Jackson, uh, Jackson, Missouri, or something, or no. Kansas, somewhere like that, somewhere in the Midwest, right? So, some somewhere where they can get to Seattle on horses somehow. Right? Well, I think it's Wyoming. Yeah, Wyoming. Yeah. So, it's just like so. So Dina, I guess, had kissed Elliot at a dance the night before and caused a big stir, and now you're going to go on patrol with her, right? And it's so it's kind of like they're setting up this sort of almost like romantic comedy scenario for you at the beginning of this game, and I and I kind of feel like. Naughty Dog is taking a wink at you while it's doing it, but it's also just like I can see, and it's kind of sad to say this, but I can definitely see how right off the bat you're 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 going to alienate a lot of your shittier audience, right? And we'll fuck them. Yeah, though, fuck right? them for and sure. The other thing to consider, I want to say earlier, when you talk about that, like it, it it is maybe in the grander scheme of like because you go, you want to hold this thing to a high standard because it's so well made and put together and everything, and the like, acting and all that is so good. But you know, you could also consider the time that it's coming out in, like it's okay to make a little bit of a statement. You I think know? so. Like, I it's, think not, so. it's not like, um, you know, Avengers Endgame with like the kind of really like uh, almost patronizing level of like girl power that you get at times. In that one scene. In that one scene at the end, right? This this feels earned at least. It's also a character who's gay who just, who's, who just happens to be gay. It's not, it doesn't, exactly. de- it doesn't define her, it doesn't define her as a person and, you know, it's interesting to see that there's still homophobia even in the apocalypse, yeah. right? So It's so interesting to play this violent action game as like a small 18-year-old girl. But she's not really small. Like, she's she's not... She's, she's no, super capable. She's no Abby, yeah, which we'll get into in a moment. <laughs> yeah. But she certainly is... She's uh, hardened by... Hardened, it. sinewy, and her and Joel... Well, her and Joel had to go through a lot to even get there, right? Yeah. Uh, to do their journey. And then now, four years have passed, and she's grown up hard, right? Yeah, exactly. So Yeah, there's that scene where they're, like, comparing all their scars and stuff. Yeah. Right? Like, a, talking about the first time they had to kill somebody. and Like a real Dina person. Dina's like, yeah. uh, oh, I was 10. Like, some guy was coming after my mom. Oh, like, yeah. Stabbed him and, like, cut his throat. Yeah, so it's pretty vicious, right? Uh, and they don't pull any punches, as we as we know. So, right, so you start out the game as Ellie and you and you're running around with Dina. It kind of teaches you the mechanics. You have to go to this old... Uh, you're in like the frozen north at this point, right? It is like snowy. You're in the mountains, yeah, right? Yeah, it's winter. Uh, so um, you have to go into this uh, like old supermarket and clear a, a garage. I think it's like a convenience store garage or something because it's on a, an old highway. Right. And you have to clear out the infected. So that kind of serves as your, you know, tutorial for killing the bad guys. And it's so really seamless tutorials yeah. as you go through this game, right? It's it literally just amps up the the action and the 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 elements of like danger that you're gonna face slowly in a way that feels it doesn't feel like a tutorial level or anything no like it that. doesn't it also again like it really does just to kind of assume you've played the first game and like it really just kind of says well here you or you played a naughty dog game in general yeah, like yeah they don't uh, spend a bunch of time explaining the story like they, there's little stuff maybe to remind you what happened in the well the beginning but... do they do it at the beginning right like yeah. Joel kind of has his soliloquy about uh, to t- he's talking to Tommy about while well, he's tuning the guitar which is great or cleaning the guitar which is great yeah. right about how, how he lied to Ellie so the whole thing is is that 
Well, so I guess we probably should have said this at the beginning. In the first game, just to summarize, Ellie is immune to the virus. So she was bitten and she didn't turn. So Joel's supposed to get her to this facility for this resistance group called the Fireflies in, all the way from Boston to Seattle. So the first game takes place across the whole year, right? Mm-hmm. And he's got to get her there so they can figure out how to use her as a cure, right? A cure the Cordyceps virus. Yeah. But they find out that they're going to kill Ellie to, to extract this from her. So Joel won't let that happen. So he goes... He goes ham on the uh, fireflies, massacres them all, kidnaps Ellie. Oh, yeah, that's right. They do the flashback. To right, him, and make, takes making that decision and takes her back to his brother Tommy in this community. Right, so um, we don't know much about this yet. We don't know at this point. We don't know if Ellie is aware of this or anything. Right, but um, what we do see now at this point is our perspective shifts suddenly from Ellie to a new character. Yeah. Why don't you tell us about this new character, Abby? Oh my so, God. Abby is a. Uh, Veteran uh, CrossFit uh, trainer. So what I said to so so Drew asked me how I was enjoying the game, and I said I just switched to Sarah Connor from Terminator Two: Judgment Day. She would beat the shit out of Sarah Connor, man. And I, I love it because. I think that's what most people would look like in this world. Well, no, like for this long, you know, without Especially someone like her who's with a smaller group, like well, yeah, just you, know? you'll, you will learn more about Abby, sure, and yeah. uh, you'll you, you won't be surprised when you find out more about her about why she's jacked like that. But I mean, like there are so many like big, powerful, like athletic women in the world, and someone like that would thrive in that environment, right? Like it's. I don't know. You'd expect to see a lot of Abby's, I think, yeah. in that world. Well, so you, yeah. So you find out that Abby is looking for someone, and it seems pretty obvious that she's looking for either Ellie or Joel, right? They're yeah. looking for someone in this town that she, they've gotten. They've, she not, says him. So she says him. You know, so you some, assume some guy in Jackson. You assume it's Joel, and then so as you're playing as Abby, this is actually this this sequence is so incredible. Like she goes off on her own. She's had it with her the crew she's with. She doesn't think that their their heart is in this. So she goes off on her own, and this is when you take control of her and you're moving through this is when the game really got going for me oh man and it's when you're going through this as her and she falls down that cliff and that infected just gets out of the snow and comes at her yeah, this- and then she grabs it real quick and then you have to mash on square and she just snaps his neck back oh it's so fun to kill people as her yeah uh, that was my favorite sequence of the game so far is when y- and they don't tell you there's no obvious Thing that says, okay, you're gonna get chased by a big horde of infected. You gotta run. It's like everywhere you turn, more just keeps so coming start out. Running. So you just start running, and then you realize, oh, even more are coming out. This is what I'm supposed to be doing, and you just gotta book it for a good couple of minutes through the forest and like up and over fences and stuff. Yeah. To try to get away from like 30, 40 infected. And then Abby uh, is just about to get uh, killed. You, you get overwhelmed. The steamer, the fence comes down and you're trying to squeeze oh, through the yeah, fence. Oh, great. it's so intense. And then she gets rescued by Joel and Tommy. Yeah. And it's crazy because as soon as she looks at him, you know, right? Yeah. You know. And she takes him back to his camp. And this is such a sad scene because the perspective, because she takes him back to his camp and Joel goes, what are you all looking at? It looks like you've seen a ghost. And she goes, because they have. And she just blasts his kneecap off with a fucking shotgun. Oh, yeah. And then they smash Tommy unconscious. And Ellie is with Dina and she's trying to race to Joel. And she gets down to this cellar where they are. And Abby is just it's like, like... It's like a like a mansion, like chalet Yeah, or that's all boarded up. And that's where they've taken refuge. But she's been clubbing uh, Joel yeah, she to death comes, with she that fucking down golf the club. And catches them beating the fuck out of him with a uh, fucking nine iron. Yeah, so it's pretty vicious. So this basically sets the tone of the game here. So they kill Joel for some stupid reason. Now, I don't know about you. I'm only, I kill them both. I kill Tommy and Ellie. I don't leave them alive. I don't I, leave anyone for revenge. That, that is a little bit of a, like... 
gap, I think. In You'll the narrative think, but, is like, but the narrative gap will be filled. Okay, great. But like, that's not surprising. I don't know if that's gonna. I don't know if it's gonna satisfy you though. But it, it does right? feel like. Yeah, you, you can't have these witnesses. Like, Ellie's just going to come after you. Everybody else said that, too. They're like, no, we have to clear tie up yeah. loose ends, right? And that so, one guy wants to kill her right away, right? Don't even worry about it, man. Like, the, this, like, the, so basically the, the, the plot of the game and the message of the game, that's a, another thing. Like, the first game was a lot more about this big epic journey, and this game was, a, this is a revenge game. Now, don't get me wrong. It's bigger in scope and scale than the first game is, but the, the, the threat of revenge over... Salvation is a bit of a darker, different tone for I, sure. I love the dark tone. And if you're if you're listening to this, you know that we like violence. violent movies and yeah. you know, violent narratives. And I love that in this day and age, you have this huge game, worldwide acclaim, like maybe the most popular game out right Millions now. Millions of copies sold in this first. Like it was four yeah. million copies on and day one. It is unrelentingly unrelenting. S- not just violent, but sad and scary. Tor- tortured and scary. And because uh, lots of things I'm are glad violent, that, that can exist without like. You know the people who stand to make the money at the top, getting their fingers involved, and you know getting watered down the way that happens to a lot of. Well, I think that Naughty Dog is you know they're owned by Sony, and so they just hit all home runs. So don't fuck with them. But also, Sony has been in the video game business long enough now and been successful that they're not gonna let. They're not gonna. They're not gonna. They don't interfere. What if they? What if? What if Sony ever stuck their fingers where it doesn't belong? They let their. They let their artists and their studios do what they need to do. They're not like Microsoft. Microsoft's gotten better, but you know they're not like Microsoft. They're not like EA. They're not like. Uh, it might have to do with the fact that it's a Japanese uh, like company, and because uh, you can say the same thing for Nintendo, even though they they make family friendly titles, but. They just they give their fans what they want. They don't like try to monetize everything and divide it up into. I think you know. Sony has always been associated with graphic violence. Yeah. Um, going way back to the uh, PlayStation, they were. Uh, oh yeah, Resident Evil. Resident Evil, Silent Hill, Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. Um, Cell. You know, and even the Final Fantasy VII, which somehow manages to escape with a teen rating, is a viciously violent, fucked up game. Oh, there's, there's, uh, you know, it's kind of cartoony looking game, but there's references to like rape and torture. Yeah, 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 it's really like not. So there's, yeah, it's a really like, yeah, I don't know. Sony knows what Sony knows what the people want, and I don't know this. I can't say enough good about The Last of Us Two so far. So real quick, just to wrap up the first act, um, and we're gonna do our own podcast about it. uh, Oh yeah, so look forward to that. We're we're just talking about the first hour. We're gonna do a whole episode on this game yeah we're gonna do a whole episode dedicated to it we may or may not have a special guest star depending on how that works out I mean but uh, well Scott not go nuts with star I mean special guest performer (laughs) special special lecturer handsome boys feature visiting professor emeritus (laughs) Uh, no so uh, we might have a special guest but yeah we're gonna get into the whole game we're gonna talk about the whole thing all the different uh, you know all the various layers to peel off but real quick, where we're going to end off here is, so Ellie is sworn revenge, and she has traced them back to Seattle, obviously, where she ended her journey with, or not ended, but like where the Fireflies had their previous head camp or whatever, right? This is what the last of them are there, and they've called themselves something different now. It's like the Western oh, Liberation Front. Something Liberation. Western. Western Liberation yeah, Front. The Wolves. That's right, yeah. Yeah, and so you and your... Uh, new girlfriend. New girlfriend uh, get a horse and uh, set out after... Oh, uh, so Tommy leaves first. Tom- Tommy yeah. leaves first, and uh, his wife, who is like... The head of uh, Jackson, the, the yeah. Head of, the head of the town, the head of the camp, they think they're, that she's going to stop them, 
And when she gets a note, she wakes up to a note that Tommy has left. And to try to stop Ellie from following after her, she actually gives a horse to Ellie and Dina and says, you know, please bring my husband back. Which is my pretty, idiot husband back cool in one woman. piece. Very yeah. Western, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they, they depart for Seattle and that's where we'll leave off from there. Um, but yeah, it is like, man, if you, got, if you have a PS4 and you don't have this game... If you go have a chance out, to go play out and it. spend go out and spend eighty bucks, man. It's worth every fucking penny. It really is. Yeah, it's a great movie and a great game. <laughs> it really is both. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of movies, uh, we're gonna come back and talk about the movie that we watched this week. Uh, should we say what it is? No, let's leave it on uh, a uh, what do you call that? Uh, you know when you know something's gonna happen, but you don't know what, and you gotta wait. Suspense. A uh, cliffhanger. Oh. God damn it! Come here, God damn it! Have you got what we need? It's Walker. The son of a bitch is still alive, Quaylen. No names. This is an open line. I don't give a shit, Eric Quaylen. Had to be insane to tie up with a low-life piece of shit like you anyway. They beat us. A couple of fucking mountain rangers. Beat us. Jesus Christ, that's Travers. Get a beat on that frequency. All right, we are back. And Chris, what did we watch this week? Oh, buddy. We watched an awesome summer action blockbuster, Die Hard on Ice, a.k.a. Cliffhanger. <laughs> totally. 1993's Cliffhanger. Yeah, so this is the uh, second movie the Handsome Boys have done in 1993, the first being The Fugitive. Uh, other big movies that came out in 1993, Schindler's List, Jurassic Park, one or two movies not directed by Steven Spielberg. We've already gotten into it. You all know what came out that year. You know what else came out this year? It's Cool Runnings. It sure did, and we'll get into that too. Uh, so this movie was directed by Rennie Harlan, uh, who's a Finnish director whose real name I won't even try to pronounce. Um, and Because uh, we just did <laughs> before we came back. It was a disaster. We gave, we gave it a dry run and decided it's not yeah. a good idea to tackle it. So this, this is... So Rennie Harlan, he was, for a brief... Flash in the Pan, probably the biggest action director in Hollywood because previous to this movie, he did Die Hard 2, Die Harder. Yeah. Right? Which, Which is, is fucking is, awesome. Isn't it not actually called Die Harder? That was just the poster. Like, the official title is just Die Hard 2, I, I think. I mean, if you want to completely ruin my childhood and make me think so, that everything I've grown up I'm knowing so is wrong. So whatever. But he directed Die Hard 2. I think he directed this movie. So this movie's uh, budget... Hang on, Nathan. He also directed... Wait, I'm not done yet. Okay, all right. So this movie's budget was $70 million, <laughs> uh, which in 93, that's Seven, a fucking... $70 million. That's a fucking huge amount of money in 93, and it grossed a whopping two fifty five worldwide. So this was a big, big hit for Sly. This, uh, Demolition Man also came out this same year for him. Can't go wrong with Sly. Can't go wrong with Sly. Uh, Rennie Harlan also. So it's kind of sad. We'll get into him real quick here. So after this movie, he kind of experienced a bit of a fall from grace. He directed... Uh, what is now known to be the Karolko Pictures Killer, Cutthroat Island, uh, one of the biggest box office bombs of all time. I think its budget at one point was estimated to be $200 million. Um, it's Jesus. Starring his wife at the time, Gina Davis, but so good for him. He was married to Gina Davis? He sure was, man. And then he directed The Long Kiss Goodnight after that Cutthroat Island, also starring Gina Davis. Wow. So this guy was like fucking... You know, he was a balling it up, being a Finnish guy in Hollywood with his hot wife, you know, making action movies, but man, he fucking cost a lot of studios a lot of money. You know what? Cutthroat Island is actually a good movie. I got two thumbs up by Siskel and Ebert. Really? Yeah. 
So I've never. I don't think I've heard of that movie. It's a pirate movie, man. It's Pirates of the Caribbean. You don't say. It's actually a uh, financial thriller. <laughs> Are you going to mention another movie that he directed that I am a big fan of? Driven, also starring Sylvester Stallone? No, I didn't know that either. Oh, okay, give, give me the movie. Deep Blue Sea. Right! Okay, I missed that one. Deep Blue Sea is great. So, so that was kind of a modest hit for him. Yeah, so, but this guy definitely has big years for the early 90s, and he did a great job, and Cliffhanger is, oh boy, <laughs> oh boy, is it a 90s action movie. And this movie's got a lot of really cool facts associated with it. Um, it's, it's something else. It begs to be viewed. Absolutely. Everyone should see this movie. So this, let's, this is a great movie. Let's get into it. So we start out with some beautiful shots of the Rocky Mountains that happen to be in... Yeah. We, we get these stunning shots of, stunning. A, of a Rocky Mountain rescue helicopter flying through the Rockies, a.k.a. the Dolomites in northern Italy. Dolomite! Dolomite. Uh, just I, crazy to me that... They f- it takes place in the Colorado Rockies and they filmed it in Italy. Like it seems like you would go the other way around in most cases, and it's yeah. you know it, the Rockies would be your facsimile. We have no of- idea though, man. Like the early '90s, like I'm telling you, like the early '90s were uh, were, were when a lot of environmental stuff started coming out about the impact of filmmaking. Sure. And I wouldn't be surprised if National Park Colorado just did not, and the, the Park Service of Colorado just did not want a big film crew. Tromping around on their uh, mountainside. I'd, I'd buy that. Let's, you know, go, that. let's go with that. I don't know that that's a fact. I'm all, all I know is those seventy million dollars are up on that screen. Oh man. yeah. So I mean, I gotta say, like, it looks great. It looks incredible. Every shot of them, every like, every scenery shot, like Harlan has a good eye, man. He really yeah. does. And every shot, every like mountain moment. Mountain moment. Yeah. I like that. It's a mountain moment. That's a t-shirt. That's a Handsome Boys t-shirt right there. Doing the do. Every mountain moment is fantastic. We can't wait till we get into those two kids. (laughs) (laughs) They're drinking so much fucking Mountain Dew. It's not even funny. All right, yeah. Okay, so... (laughs) <laughs> Why don't you take us through the op- the opening sequence? This, yeah. is like, this is a very famous sequence. Right. So take us through. So it. yeah. So well, like we said, you get these shots of the helicopter flying through the mountains. They're looking for somebody. Uh, they're trying to find someone that they're trying to rescue. Uh, they're also trying to get eyes on Gabe, <laughs> our protagonist. Gabe Walker. Gabe Walker. AKA Sylvester Stallone. Stallone. I love it when he plays he like a. Really looks like a Gabe. I really like it when he plays a straight up like waspy Anglo American. That's my favorite. It's so funny. Yeah. So, basically, yeah, so intercut with them looking around for him and for the, the whatever victims that they're trying to rescue off the mountain, we get these shots of Stallone, uh, Gabe, <laughs> uh, just free climbing up the side, like upside down, and like panning shots around him, 360 degrees, like... I don't know how they filmed this. So what it was was two stuntmen, one who died during filming in a car accident. Really? Uh, the other one who had a, a similar physique to Stallone, and he learned a shit ton of mountain climbing Rock himself. Climbing. Oh, yeah. He he went deep into this role, I as mean, he often does, like, right? Like, uh, you know, like, he, he, it, it looks like he's... It's all perspective, like, right? Climb, really climbing these rocks. Yeah, it's all perspective, but he does... I did read that like he does do a fair bit of his own climbing in this movie. You can tell in you certain parts. The shots where you know it's Stallone and he's climbing, uh, he does do like I mean I'm not a fucking mountain climbing. You're not a cliffhanger. Expert. I'm not a cliffhanger, but uh, he's doing a lot of the right techniques. Like you see him, yeah. you know, 
Put it like shifting his weight and getting his legs. This up movie got a lot. This of stuff. movie was widely praised by the mountain climbing community when it came out for its like attempt, at least, to make it look real, right? Yeah, so yeah, the climbing looks fantastic. Yeah. Other than the fact that somebody with that much muscle on him would not be a very effective mountain climber. <laughs> like all those guys are super wiry. You know, ah, uh, yeah, because he's so fucking heavy. He's short, remember? Yeah. So, uh, he, but he'd be able to power his way up like yeah. a short mountain, but then he would gas out. All right. So enough so, about Sly's physique. Let's move. No, on. let's just spend a few more. <laughs> minutes on this although actually there's a reference to his physique right off the bat so the helicopter spots him and uh the girl in that so we got two Jess, people in the helicopter jesse jesse and frank the old guy uh uh frank says like uh do you see him he's like oh uh the face doesn't look or i don't recognize the face but the butt looks familiar well that's just so, his gorgeous bubble butt yeah right off the bat we got yeah. somebody's got a comment on how attractive Stallone is. Well, it's in his contract, it's, yeah, right? Yeah, it's in like every yeah. movie. And another thing that's in his contract is, we've said this before, off-pod. He has to be a co-writer of every movie. But he has to be a co-writer of every movie, and he fancies himself a comedian. He thinks he's hilarious. Yeah, and that ha- is apparent right away. Oh, so boy. they find two stranded people on the mountain. We eventually learn that this is actually uh, another Rocky Mountain Rescue guy, Hal, and a girl that he took up there, but he's twisted his ankle and uh, is stuck up there with her, and... Um, Gabe is coming to rescue him. Uh, so Gabe's climbing up. He's catching up to them. He gets up there. The jokes just start flying right away. Like he's flirting with her, his the guy's girlfriend. Uh, he says, uh, you know, what happened? Oh, I twisted my ankle. Uh, and uh, Gabe's like... Uh, Oh, uh, yeah, I remember when you broke it climbing out of that hot tub. And he, he said, the girl's yeah, like, what? Quipping. He told me he had, it's an old uh, war injury from Nam. Yeah, they're quipping real fast yeah, here. They are right quipping. Away. Like, it's like we're watching an episode of Friends. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're, we're quipping real good here. Everything's sunny and rosy. The music, the score. I can't wait to open this podcast with that score. Oh, it's so... It's so 90s. It's, it's like disorienting it's, it's, it's it sounds much. like it, it sounds like it belongs in a period drama yeah totally you know yeah it definitely it sounds but anyway, like it so, so the way that they stage the rescue of these two of Hal and the girl is they run a line from where they're trapped on this peak to the helicopter which then lands on a nearby peak yeah and then they're gonna just use uh, whatever pulleys or whatever yeah, to like uh, pull themselves over yeah. to where the helicopter is. Zip line across. Yeah, zip line across. No problem. No problem at all. What could go wrong? And uh, Hal goes across first. No uh, problem. No problem. He makes it. The girl is very nervous about it. Stallone, uh, Gabe, talks her. I guess I gotta call him Gabe for the rest of this. Okay. It's just too funny. Uh, Gabe uh, hooks her up. He, you know, he, he tells her it's no problem. Don't worry about it. Just don't look down. Blah, blah, blah. She gets about halfway across and her harness fails and she falls a couple of feet and a tiny little Lanyard. Uh, metal bracket gets stuck in like the, uh, what do you call those? Still like a carabiner. Like a carabiner that's yeah. on, on the line and she's just hanging there. She's freaking out. This, freaking out. This is a, I didn't actually look up the name of this actress, but this is a heck of a performance here. Oh, yeah. She's selling it. Yeah, she's uh, selling it. She drops her stuffed dog. Teddy bear, I believe. Teddy bear. Or was it a dog? I said, I said, not the teddy. Yeah. <laughs> like, just to give you a good perspective on how high up they are, I guess. This like, scene is so fucking good, man. It really is. Because you have to think about how happy they all were. Like, oh, did you put in a hot tub? Oh, my God, you fucking idiot. Yeah. And then, like, now she's about to die. So so Gabe's like, I got to go back across. Oh, and Hal's like, no, it's, it's not rated for two 
two people. Like I'm gonna, I'll come down from this side. Well, he said I'll send this harness. That's what he said. Yeah, that's right. There's no time. Yeah, he's like, there's no time. That thing's not gonna hold. And uh, there's no time. That thing's not gonna, no, hold. It's not gonna hold. He doesn't actually sound like that in this movie. He sounds no, okay in this movie. He's talking a yeah. little faster. Uh, anyway, so he quickly harnesses himself up, climbs out there to try to get her. The thing snaps. He grabs her by the wrist. Oh, the this is so second. horrible. She's like, I don't want to die. Yeah. And despite all of her screaming and flailing, her glove slips off. Oh, and man. she plummets to her. My, my favorite part is so they show her from Gabe's perspective. And this is the trailer shot, right? Like slow-mo falling. And then it cuts to everyone being like, oh, no. And then it cuts back to her yeah, going, ah! Like her arms flailing. Just yeah. one final shot. And then like it shows her right before she's hit the rocks and splatter. Yeah. Like you just don't see that. Yeah, exactly. It cuts back to slide. He's like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. And then Rooker flashes on the Yondu hate eyes, yeah. man. Oh, we didn't say Hal is... Uh, Yondu. Y- Yondu, a.k.a. Michael Rooker. From the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, films. Great, great character actor. Great character. He's now, in so much stuff. So many movies. Like, just yeah. the best. This um, has got to be one of his first big, like, other than this, Henry... This is the youngest I've ever Well, so there's seen. Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, and then there's uh, Sea of Love, where he also plays a serial killer. And then I think this is his first movie where he doesn't play a serial killer. No, he's a lawyer in JFK. He's a bad guy a lot too. Yeah. Right? He's a lawyer in JFK and then I think in this one is, he plays like a good guy. Mm-hmm. So it's basically like his slides buddy, so, right? And you can, they, they do a quick little shot after uh, her name's Sarah after mm-hmm. she plummets to her death where you can kind of see that uh, Hal blames uh, Gabe for this that he thinks he could Oh, it gives her. him the hate eyes, man. Yeah, it cuts you, the hate you, eyes. You can see the, the hate in his eyes. So then smash cut to the United States Treasury. Uh, eight, dis- months, eight months later. A despondent Gabe has quit the climbing game and become a bookkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're eight months later now, and now we do a cut. This is yeah. kind of dis. This is also this is honestly kind of a disorienting cut, right? Yeah, it's it, it's interesting because right because now you're no longer you know, you're no longer in uh, the mountains. You're straight up now. You're in the real world, like you're in, you know. In, yeah. You got you, all of a sudden you're looking at Paul Winfield, the voice. Yeah. Another uh, great voice, eh? Yeah, so some great character actors here. Um, so okay, yeah. So to set it up, it's we're at the United States Treasury Department. Um, we got this Treasury officer, um, uh, Travers. Tra- Travers, played by the great Rex Lynn. Played played by Rex Lynn. What else is Rex Lynn? In? So Rex Lynn has been in a ton of stuff. A lot of people, uh, handsome boys, listeners might know him as one of the two detectives along with Drake in Rush Hour. Yeah, the two FBI agents. That's it. That's what uh, he's doing lots of other stuff too. But this is uh, this is definitely one of his greatest runs. He's got sure. that great Southern thing Texas thing that a lot of like. 80s and 90s actors have where they're fully bald like smooth head bald with, with like a the, big stash horseshoe and a big stash yeah. but you can tell he's way younger you know than uh, somebody nowadays with that much hair yeah. loss would be <laughs> like he's probably only like our 38 age. or 39 yeah. <laughs> I love his Texas voice though like. oh god man he is he steals the show in this he's movie he's my favorite character in the he, movie same here like, he's, uh, Rex, he's so loud he says the F word in almost every oh, it's sentence so he funny. says I just love what I love when he loses it too we'll get into that later but like like, oh man, like he is the so Rex Lynn right off the bat. I'm not, I'm not yeah. afraid to say so, he's the show stealer of this movie. Yeah, so he's a treasury agent. Then we also got his boss, uh, played by the legendary Paul Winfield. The late great Paul Winfield. Uh, you would know him from Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. Oh, he gets a thing in his ear and it makes him kill himself. Yeah, man. he gets the bug in his ear. He also as Lieutenant Traxler in Terminator. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and the voice of uh, Merklin in Visionaries: Knights of the Magical Light, as well as the voice of. So many soft, it, creamy voices. Isn't he also... He's in The Simpsons, too. Yeah, a bunch. Yeah. A bunch, yeah. Isn't he also the alien? He's Lucis Sweet. 
Oh, is he? He's oh, Lucius Sweet. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he plays uh, the... He's like, the he's like, Lucius, would you do the same thing with me? Absolutely, I would. <laughs> Absolutely, I now would. Now get in the van. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cut that in. Absolutely, I would. And I will. Homie, your manager obviously loves you very much. Lucius, would you do that for me? Absolutely, I would. <laughs> now get in the van. And we're back. <laughs> uh, so... Oh, he, I was going to say he's also, for you uh, Trekkies out there like us, uh, he plays the alien in that legendary episode of TNG where Picard gets stuck on the planet with the, the other captain from that species. And that, they only speak through that, metaphors? Yeah, they speak in like... Is that Paul Winfield in makeup? I believe it is. Wow, okay, verify that Let's later. verify that. Yeah, but yeah, so get back to Travers, though, and the, the Treasury for now. Yeah, so long story short, they're going to move... What is that, $100 million? $100 million. $100 million smackaroos, Chris. Uh, $100 million simoleons. $100 million big ones. $100 million wingwongs. <laughs> That's racist. $100 million quatloos. Nice. Uh, they, uh, they, they have a quick conversation about why they're going to move by plane. And the reason they're doing that is trains can get derailed, uh, cars can get hijacked, no one can touch us while we're in the sky foreshadowing right that's what that is so they're gonna go do that whole thing and uh well they're gonna do their big their big transport right and they got a new guy coming in uh what is this matheson like matheson's gonna matheson's gonna go with he's you. an fbi guy yeah so these are treasury guys they're all feds but this so matheson's with the fbi and he's gonna go along for this ride they're babysitting him or whatever right Correct. so they go on the plane i think now we cut back to sly going back to yeah so it's again we said eight months later he's driving down a mountain road in his 80s land rover yeah it's great uh he drives by the gas station the guys well, i'm gonna name the extreme bros the extreme bros they're like it's gabe gabe's back yeah, yeah gabe man. what's up gabe oh these guys are they hilarious they say his name 400 times it's so these guys are so fucking funny man like they're <laughs> so high on doritos and mountain dew right now <laughs> Like holy shit! And, yeah. Uh, so they, so they, so they're laying some exp- exposition here, right? They're, like he's saying, they're saying they're gonna go up and do their base jumping, right? Yeah. And even though I called them snowboarder bros, they're not snowboarding; they're base jumpers, right? Yeah. They climb the mountain and then base. Yeah, jump which off. is pretty fucking cool. It is cool. And uh, so they're gonna go do this, and then Gabe's like, "Watch out, guys! There's a big storm coming." They're like, "We're not afraid of no storm, Gabe." They're also having this very intimate quiet conversation while they're car to car on the highway on the highway oh I love it no one looks at the road no, for they're, a they're, good two minutes did you notice that, that they're yelling but Sly is speaking at a totally yeah, normal yeah, volume that's like, what I was saying. it's like they're indoors it's talking to each other very funny very funny <laughs> I'm glad you so, noticed and that. then we go back then we cut to uh, he shows up at Jesse's house uh, who played by the great Janine Turner who most fans will know as Maggie on Northern Exposure yeah, everyone but Chris will know so Chris Northern Exposure. let me tell you a little about Northern Exposure. So, so Northern Exposure was an early 90s show that lasted five years. I think it went from like 95 to 96 or, so, or 91 to 96 or something. And it was a quirky show about this doctor from New York played by Rob Morrow, Dr. Fleischman. And he gets sent uh, for DUIs or various misdemeanors. He gets sent by the AMA because this is a it's the early 90s, right? So people get sent places for their penance, right? <laughs> they, don't, they don't just get disbarred. Busted him down to they Antarctic got, Yeah, they got, he gets busted down to Alaska. So he goes to this tiny town in Alaska. I can't remember the name, but it's full of eccentric characters. And the, the chick who owns the the uh, the, the hotel slash bar slash meeting hub town is Janine Turner, who's Maggie. And she's a tough, no-nonsense girl. And her and Fleischman have an on-again, off-again 
thing for the duration of the show. Okay. And the cool thing about Northern Exposure, I think it was around season two or three, they started introducing elements of sci-fi horror and surrealism into the show, and it got really fucking cool and good. So if that, if you guys ever want to watch Northern Exposure, if you can deal with the fucking four to three aspect ratio, it is light years ahead of its time. Uh, I've heard it's great. It's that, really great. That sounds great. like one that I want to watch eventually. That's in that era of TV that I really like. It's like a, tw- I'd say it's like a twist. Twin Peaks without the serial killing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, anyway. Speaking of northern exposure, uh, Gabe shows up at Jesse's house and exposes the guilt that he's been feeling about the girl's death. Sarah? Was that her name? Yeah. Something like that? I'm sorry, everybody. Yeah. So she... That was actually pretty good. So, yeah. So Maggie's trying to say that his that he doesn't own the guilt. They all feel guilty and that she's mad at him for piecing out for eight months over this. And he's trying to say, I come back to see if you still want to be with me, but she's bringing... Yeah, he wants her to come with him. Back to the big city. the only thing he feels like he's missing is Back to Denver. Yeah. <laughs> but she's pretty clear. What do you, what do you think uh, Gabe's doing for uh, living these past eight months? Oh, well, so he lives in a movie universe, so he probably lives in a giant apartment that none of us could afford and has no income. Right. He probably owns like a store in the city that sells mountaineering gear and he like tries to downplay his experience as a mountain climber and just sells them like, oh, you no, know, you don't want that pickaxe. This, this one's way better. Trust well, me. You're basically, we're basically writing the plot for Cliffhanger 2 and I think that we should pitch it to Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> yeah, pat, patent pending. Yeah. <laughs> Let's cut that out. Uh, okay. So now we're back at the uh, Treasury Department. No, we yeah, we're on the Treasury Plane. Oh, Treasury Plane. one of the... Ooh. One of the coolest heist scenes in any movie. Oh my god. I was kind of worried because, I, I mean, I watch this movie every few years, but I hadn't seen it in probably five years, and I was a little worried this, this scene would lose its luster. But it doesn't. And you know why, Chris? Because it's real. It's all real. <laughs> That's so... Well, obviously not the gunfight on the plane, I don't think. <laughs> the, the blood, everything. It's all real. So this, this is a pretty cool scene. So... Start us off. So, um, yeah, they're on this plane. We're ferrying this money to wherever. And the FBI guy, the new guy. Matheson. Uh, Matheson uh, sees a jet out the window, right? Kind of approaching them like a Gulf Stream or something. Yeah. And uh, he, like, kind of jumps to his feet and, like, points it out. Everybody else kind of acts like, uh, oh, this is this is bad. Like, what's happening here? Like, they're, they're trying to heist us or whatever. Real quick, sorry to cut you off. Yeah. Another one of the great character actors on this, Bruce McGill. He's the big fat guy okay. with the beard. Yeah. He's in lots of stuff as well. So, yeah, sorry, go I on. recognize him. So, while, while they're kind of feigning, like, they're all going to jump to action, two of the Treasury guys grab uh, Matheson and put guns to his head. And then... Travers, uh, he goes into the cockpit, he says something to well, one no, of the pilots. So I think you, you missed a little bit. So Matheson's freaking out. Right. And Travers gets up and he's like, what's going on, Matheson? Why are you all afraid? Yeah. And then he what goes... What the fuck is going on? And he goes, don't you idiots see what's happening? He's trying to hijack the plane. But yeah, he, he calls out uh, Travers. Travers. But his buddies don't believe it, right? Because yeah. Travers is like a respected 20-year veteran of the force, right? Okay. So they grab him because they think he's going crazy. Oh, see, I thought what it was is that... Those two guys were in on the place no. with Travers, but then no. he double-crossed them. No, 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 no. Okay, so they're 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 legit. They think that they're like, no way, Travers isn't like, uh, you know, fucking crooked. I went to his barbecue one time. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was at his wedding. So they grab Matheson anyway. Yeah. Travers, uh, somewhere in there, Travers also goes to the cockpit and says something like to the one of the two. There's two pilots. He says yeah. something to one of them. He's like, lower us down to fifteen thousand feet or something. Yeah. And then he comes back. They've got Matheson. Travers pulls out his gun and kills all three of them. Just 
murks them. Yeah. And it's so... And now we know this movie is going to be a bloodbath. Yeah. <laughs> like, holy not, not shit. Not a single person gets shot without four or five blood-filled squibs going off in their clothes. Rennie Harlan loves violence. And you know what? I think it's, it's he probably because he's a Finn, and the Finns are obsessed with darkness and uh, violence. Yeah, this movie is metal. It's metal as fuck. <laughs> and it really is. <laughs> it really is. Uh, and then... Uh, we also cut to the cockpit. Oh my god! And one of the fucking uh, pilots, he puts on a mask, I think, and then he pulls like a gas air. No, he does not yet. Not yet. Okay, but he pulls out a gun from like his bag and shoots the other pilot in the head. Yeah, and then he gives the most like disgusting, sme- snide like sneer. He's yeah. like, oh, I get it. I kill you. <laughs> like cold blooded murder. Like man, like who, where do they find this guy? Uh, yeah. So then Travers grabs. These three pelican cases uh, that are, have the money in them. Yeah. They got thirty million each, I guess. Thirty million each. They got blinking lights on yeah. them. Yeah. Which are uh, tracking device. Uh, they look real, real serious, real made up. Uh, and then let's see. Uh, they oh he blows off the tail cone of yeah. the jet and. Uh, they all put their their uh, oxygen Mask masks on. on, and they run a line, a cable out of the back well, of so this yeah. plane. So the, the other one takes up a position behind the uh, treasury plane, and they run a cable out to it. They open their uh, airlock on the side, and they have to catch this wire. Yeah. So Leon has got like a hook, yeah. and he's trying to like. Uh, we learn his name Leon later, or the, the actor's name anyway. Uh, tries to connect, uh, like connect it with a hook. So he finally grabs it and pulls it in. And at this point, we've kind of met the the terrorists or whatever the thieves, but they're all wearing gas masks. We don't know who any of them are yet, right? Yeah. So yeah, we're very so excited to introduce them. This 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 plane full of a couple of terrorist guys with masks on. There's now a cable running from the treasury plane to this jet. Yeah. And uh, Travers. Travers goes over first. So he so so he. I, Sorry, I'm taking it over here real quick just because yeah, uh, Travers hooks onto it first and he, swin- he goes all the way down. Now, we're going to get into it a little bit more in what we learn, but this is a real stunt. Which is, I had a suspicion. I remember when I was watching it, I was like, I don't know how they filmed this. That looks real as hell. And I learned, Nathan told me today, that is 100% real. They had That's a real two, guy. Two planes linked up and one guy. 15,000 feet, 15, man. 15,000 feet in the air, ziplining from one to the other. Like, holy fucking shit. You must have balls of iron. Yeah, balls of... That's some crazy oh shit. Oh my God. Like, that's insane. And it looks so cool. Yeah, but so it's, it's Travers. He goes over uh, first to the plane and they uh, they say something to him like uh, we said to send the cases over and he's like well once you have the cases what's wh- why are you going to let me he said over? somehow I don't think you'd wait for yeah, me yeah somehow I don't think you'd wait for me and that's it uh, he was then, right to assume yeah so then the, the pilot the last guy that's left he puts the plane on autopilot he grabs the cases hooks them up to the line and then we realize Ugh. Matheson although he has like eight bullets in his chest still ticking uh, he grabs uh, I think an Uzi well as we know from hip hop artists you can take several shots yeah and keep going if you got something if you got something to fight for you know you can survive for an extra couple of minutes with no yeah. matter how many bullets you have in yeah. you like if you have some important speech you gotta say oh or yeah some or guy you gotta kill or you have, to re- you have to reveal the location of the map yeah exactly yeah you have enough time to write it in blood or whatever yeah just scrabble it down on the ground so he channels that energy and uh, gets to his feet and blasts the pilot. Oh, it's so awesome. Yeah, with this what does he say? He's like, Uzi. You fuck! And just like unloads yeah, into he him. He definitely calls him a fuck. It's a fuck. He goes, I, you I'm fuck! Sure that's right. Uh, and then... So this he, is one of my favorite he, he scenes. Fall, the, the pilot's body falls out of the plane and then 
Oh, we forgot to mention that Travers, before he came over, he set a bomb right. on, a, on the plane with a five-minute fuse or something. Yeah. And right before... Oh, oh well, first, the, uh, Matheson, the FBI guy, he unloads his Uzi onto the other jet. This is one of my favorite scenes. Hits their, he, like, hydraulics. No, he doesn't just hit their hydraulics. He fucking kills, like, at least one terrorist. Just unloads. So, kind of Matheson, like, yeah, they got him, but he got the last laugh, man. Yeah. You know, Travers is clearly not a, a experienced murderer because he's just, you do not leave, you gotta tie up loose ends, man. You gotta, you gotta double tap. You gotta double tap. You gotta hit them in the head. Uh, so he's shooting at them. There, a couple of guys, like you said, a couple of guys die. They're, they're, they lose fuel or whatever. But then the bomb goes off, which looks fucking crazy. It's a great explosion. Uh, yeah. I'm sure it's a miniature explosion. It still, must be. Yeah. But it, this, fucking 737 or whatever it is just explodes in the air and the cases they don't open but they tumble down into the mountains yeah so now all the money is gone and and they're all fucking the, the terrorists are panicking and they realize uh oh we're losing fuel fast we're gonna fucking crash yeah they have to crash land the jet it's in they, they crash land they're in like the snow covered Rockies obviously this is our mountain range and how did you like this is Gabe's mountain and because this is before the age of CGI they used a mixture a mixture of model work and perspective shots to make this crash happen I thought it looked fantastic all of it looks amazing yeah everything there's only maybe one or two scenes in this movie that are clearly filmed on like a a backlot set or something yeah and everything else just looks like it's really happening yeah this is this is a spectacular scene so I think most of them most of the terrorists survive this ordeal yeah so they all get out Travers alive uh, the terrorists most of the terrorist team and the leader of the terrorist team John Lithgow oh my god doing his best Stewie Griffin impression like it I don't I want to know whose choice this was I want to know if it was Lithgow like no no I'm gonna be a fucking British caricature for this like it's not even modern to the times like he sounds like a like a Bond villain well, or something. Yeah. Well, okay, Mr. Walker. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's like, it's really silly. It's so bizarre. But it's awesome because it's arch villainy, right? It really is, yeah. Like, he's supposed to be an arch villain. Like, we're supposed to think that he's a really shitty bad guy. I'm thinking that was his choice. It seems like he... He looks he, exactly the fucking same. I think he wanted to have fun, you know what he's I mean? He's having a blast. And he clearly But, is. like, at this point, like, we have to remember, John Lithgow is a respected... He's a respected, like, actor at this point. He's not yet quite a household name because Third Rock from the Sun is still a year or two away, right? But he's a really respected actor. Like he's been in shitloads of stuff at yeah. this point, but he's not like a fucking A-list actor yet, right? Yeah. But he is just every second he's on screen, he's just loving it. I'm trying to think of a comparison, but he wanted to do that thing. Well, he's that, like Gary Oldman in fucking Air Force One, which is another movie we're gonna do. Right. Yeah. He wanted to do that thing where like, oh, I'm gonna, I've, I've made my piece. I proved my that I'm a respected actor and that I can act, have chops. I want to be a ridiculous villain in an action movie. It and it's great. Over the top, chew the scenery. It's so good. And he's yeah. been a villain again. Like, he actually won an Emmy for his performance in Dexter as a serial killer. Right. Which is the best season of Dexter. They should have just ended the show there because his performance was so good. Yeah. I so, haven't seen it, but I've heard that he is. I've seen clips of him in it. Kills it. He seems Fucking awesome. kills it. Um, I, I don't know if we learned it here, but we got to say his name. So his name is Quaylen. Eric Quaylen. Eric Quaylen. So there's Travers Quaylen. I can't remember the name of the, the girl. Crystal. Crystal? Crystal is the lone She's female. The, yeah, female like the so, tech expert or whatever, the pilot. So she fig- so they figure out they need to get someone who's got a vehicle for them that they can commandeer to find these cases. So they call in for a rescue, and who answers? Rocky Mountain Rocky Rescue. Rocky Mountain Rescue. So it's so funny because she's uh, she affects, she's British, right? Caroline Goodall is the name of the actress. She's you'd recognize her from a ton of stuff. So she affects an American accent for this call, and she goes, "Please, please, Billy's hurt. We need insulin." Yeah. So I didn't get that. Was that just like a uh, 
like an icing on the cake of selling that it's a real yeah, situation. Icing on the cake, right? Yeah. Like we need his diabetes medicine. Yeah, when he gets when she gets off the thing, he's like insulin, like nice touch or something. Yeah, and he, and he goes, "Would you have thought of that to Travers?" So it's clear that they really don't respect Travers. They just look at him as a fucking fed turncoat who's just in it for the money and they're like career criminals so they all hate him so let's go over the henchmen a little bit here because they are an all-timer yeah, master class of, uh, of so we got the long-haired blonde guy yeah we got the guy with the lo- other long-haired guy with glasses it, it, which one's is one of them's like Australian the English guy is he so English yeah we have yeah. the former the former footballer who's English okay that guy the black guy he's who's, like the muscle he's got like a no Leon's the muscle yeah, I guess so. What was his name in Cool Running? Leon's like like an assassin. Like he's like he's the, hardcore. He's a, na- a na- he's, a, he's an ex Navy SEAL. Yeah, yeah. But the other guy seems like a like a tough, like a heavy. Yeah, he's definitely a heavy. Yeah, um, he's he's got that great um, like late eighties, early nineties henchman um, mullet, mullet kind of yeah. look. What is Leon's name in Cool Runnings? Uh, Darius. Darius. Yeah. So another nineteen ninety three movie we'll probably do one day. Sanka, you dead man? Yeah. Whenever we do Canadian movies, we'll do that one for sure. Yeah, so this one is his year, eh? Yeah, 93. Yeah, so Doris from Cool Runnings is the, uh, like we said, the, like, uh, I, I martial artist. I can't remember his name. It's like Kanet or something like that. No, he's going to be Doris for the rest of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we got Crystal. Crystal. And uh, oh, we're missing one more. I was trying to write down her name, but I didn't even notice that they mentioned it. says Crystal it. like 20 times. Does he really? Yeah. Uh. Uh, or, yeah, I think, that, I think that's it, actually. Yeah, so at that point, we got six guys left, I think. Right. Uh, and uh, so um, then we cut okay so the, when they call the mountain rescue they get Hal and he's gonna go out and so, try to find these guys so he leaves and then coincidentally at the same time Gabe rolls up to uh, pick up some stuff well he no he's cause when we when we left Jesse and, and Gabe before she went to work and he was like, she was like, I'm just, you let yourself in, you know where your stuff is, because he yeah. just came to get some stuff. She comes back to the place, to her place. Well, why does he go to Rocky Mountain Rescue? He well, does, she, oh, he she goes, she, oh, she goes she back, goes, she goes oh, back to her house. And he's just finishing. I missed that. I thought he was shit. just rolling up to Rocky Mountain Rescue for fun. No, no oh, okay. he's about to leave. And she comes and she tells him what's going on. I think at this point, uh, we've lost communication with Hal. And, uh, yeah, he's gone dark. Or no, no, that doesn't happen. I just she thinks that he should go out there. Cause That's it's a, right. It's a rough night. Because if you take this route, you'll beat him there in no time, kind of thing, right? <laughs> she says the best line, one of my favorite lines of the movie. She says, "If you don't do this now, you're gonna be stuck on that ledge for the rest of your life." <laughs> Where he let the girl fall. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's actually a great line. Um, he's got a lot of those like corny, profound line moments, For right? Sure. I love it. Uh, there's a couple of good ones later. So uh, he refuses the call and he gets in his uh, Land Rover to leave. Uh, so when, and we don't know if he's going to do it or not. I mean, we know he's going to do it, but he leaves. He, he says no to her. He's not going to go go following up that mountain trying to find how. I also noticed the hat he has on has, refer- has said something about Baffin Island. Does it really? Yeah, isn't Baffin Island like one of our northern... Yeah, it's uh, in uh, like Hudson Bay, I believe. North of Hudson's Bay, right? Yeah, yeah. It's so Arctic. it's yeah, so it's like part of the Northwest Passage. You got to go through that to get through the Northwest Passage. So that's where he's been this whole time. Well, I'm just wondering if he did mountain climbing training there. And that was like a hat that he got like for doing it or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Sure. I just thought it was cool. Canadian reference in a American movie. Right? You love to see it. Uh, so then we cut back to the Treasury to Paul Winfield talking to these two other FBI suits. And uh, a couple other guys who are recognizable too. Yeah, for I, sure. I didn't catch their I don't names, know where but... They're from, but they look very familiar. They're um, already they already know the plane is missing. Yeah. And Winfield's trying to figure out what to do about it, and then these two FBI guys show up, and I think he says to them at first, he's like, "If you want to know about 
your your boy Matheson. I, I know as much as you do. I got nothing to tell you. And they reveal that Matheson wasn't like a trainee or whatever. He's undercover. He was undercover because they had seen, they had tracked that uh, a bunch of these money shipments, these planes had been getting tracked by somebody. They monitored, yeah. And they were worried that there was an inside job. And now they're suspicious that that's what's happened here. There yeah. was some kind of a heist gone wrong. And Winfield is doubtful, but I mean, you know, you got you to gotta, you gotta follow this lead, right? And he breaks down, like, he, he starts off being, you know, incredulous about it, right? And well, I like he, that word. Yeah, I, I like to use that any chance I can well get. Done, well done. Uh, he says the money is in unexchangeable denominations. What the fuck does that mean? So that means that the money is in thousand uh, dollar bills or something, or not thousand dollar bills? Yeah, thousand dollar bills, which you can't exchange anywhere. So no business, like cash accepting business, will take a thousand dollar bills. You can't walk into a bank. So you can't walk. You can't walk into a bank, and they're all going to be sequential, which means they're marked basically, right? right? So that means that they're consecutive serial numbers. So it's clearly federal money. Right. So he says so, no one can exchange them, except no one can move this money, and they say except for this guy, and they pull out a portfolio with uh, Eric Quaylen. Eric Quaylen. Uh, they describe him as former military intelligence till he figured out he'd make more money working for the other side. Total cl- cliche garbage. And I, and I got it. Smuggled diamonds out of South Africa, they Ooh, say. Blood diamonds. Yeah. That was so that was so trendy at the time. Then they're like, we also think he might be an alien. Uh, <laughs> he might be a lizard person. Posing as a human. He might have demon sperm. <laughs> so. So, uh, yeah, that's established. And then we cut back to... Uh, Gabe has climbed the mountain. He decided to do it, even though he said no. Well, though, we cut to Michael Rooker climbing it, and then he gets to the precipice, and Gabe is G- standing there. there. Yeah. And they have now a, we have a tense moment. They have it out a little bit. And it's, at this point, you realize, like, Jesse gave Gabe so much shit about leaving, like, he didn't have to. But when you realize that Hal basically wishes... Gabe was dead and even threatens to shove him off the mountain when he sees him. What a great shot. How is he going to stay at his Rocky Mountain rescue job? How did they film that? Job? How did they film that shot? Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, I don't know. You know what I think? I think the ground was like right there. That I think you... they just found they found a really like low uh, spot that just, if you filmed it from a certain perspective, it gave the appearance of like vast openness. But it's filmed so well. because It's done I, so well. I kept thinking that in a lot of these shots, like, how did you film this? Is there like a, really, there's a another landing right there and they got a mat on it? But it's... The perspective looks fully real and, and plausible. Like you, can, you wouldn't. It, it looks like that's. There's looks like he's but, dangling him like, off yeah, a fucking like mountain at four thousand feet. Yeah, know? it's pretty terrifying, right? I really like the tension in this scene, and you actually believe that even though you can tell these guys, these two, like actors, like. I wonder if they're close friends because they have some of the best. Ke- like Sly has been known for kind of overbearing and being dominating his sidekicks and stuff, but for him and Michael Rooker are really like. Excellent together in yeah, this they film. They have a really good chemistry together. It's, like it's not a Tango and Cash situation. No, they're very like it's not two guys. Two guys throwing their dicks around. It's it's like you buy. This is actually oddly enough one of his better like acting performances. Sly. Yeah, like, you I, really I was like that the whole time. You never don't buy that he is gay. There's moments where it's like he's got that thing. A little later on, and, and like that that Arnold has, where it's like everyone in this movie is talking like a normal human being, and you sound like some kind of crazy, right like, Yeah, monster <laughs> person. <laughs> but he still seems very human in this film, right? Yeah, I would agree. Like, with that. I don't know. There's something about it. Like that. I think this is probably why this is one of his more highly regarded films, right? Uh, so they quickly get caught by Quaylen and his men. Yeah. Yeah, so they 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 fall into the trap, and uh, really right off the bat, things are things are serious. They're you know these these guys have clearly taken hostages before. Yeah, and they tell them 
we're we're here to get we got three cases we're looking for and you're gonna help us find them all right they, or get them a helicopter or whatever it is they want well he's like what's in the cases none of your fucking business yeah oh, yeah Travis. okay this is just one of a million moments where travers oh, is i love travers just man. he is, is just railing cocaine or something he's going behind trees and just fucking <laughs> sniffing cap hits or something man yeah. like because every time anybody talks to him right it's like what's in the cases none of your fucking business <laughs> like, it's so good. With this like awesome Texas brogue. Yeah. You know? And uh but Quaylen says to him, uh, oh, you know, uh suits, socks, a hundred million dollars, the usual things. Oh, so fucking Stewie Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> and they have this fancy tracking machine that looks like uh like a fucking tricorder of nightmares. Oh, it's so funny. It has like a 3D tracking thing. And I love how like it has this wireframe representation of the map with three dots. It's like, you know where these places are, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Somehow. I could, I could totally tell where these three plot spots on the mountain are based you on You recognize this, uh, these locations? Somehow this tracking device digitally images in wireframe all the mountains around them and pinpoints the exact, like triangulates the location of these. Uh, you don't ask any questions, though. You just go It's it, fine. Right? It's yeah. some good 90s um, made-up technology. I love 90s made-up technology. It's yeah. the best. It's my favorite kind. Um, so, they get to the first case. Uh, it's on the top of this. So, yeah. So, this scene. So, this shows, like, this makes me envious of the muscles that Sylvester Stallone has. God. Because they force them, because they're on a, they're on, they, they're, like, walking through, like, remember that scene on, in, in Lord of the Rings where they're on that mountainside and they're, like, covered by that one little, like, overhang? Right. So, this is very similar to that, right? They're, like, on a mountainside, there's a little overhang on top, and With then a bunch the, of snow, and on a it. bunch of snow, and the, and the case is right above them. So someone's got to climb up the mountain face and grab the case. So, and so uh, get that, up, get that face and grab that case. So they, they designate Sly. They take away his bolt gun. They take away all his stuff except for his shoe uh, grips. We should point that out really quickly. We didn't talk about it earlier. Stallone, uh, Gabe has this gun that like put. It's like a nail gun, but it puts an anchor point. It's pretty cool. Rock. Those exist. I've seen them. Yeah. They're very cool. Uh, that come, It just comes back later. It sure does. It sure it. does. So anyway, uh, they take all that stuff away. They take his jacket away from him. Yeah, it's sent up there just a shirt. Yeah, so this scene, so he just starts to climb. And they also tie off his ankle. Yeah. yeah, and he's hanging on this one rock, and then he just jumps from that. This is all sly, 100%, from yeah. that other rock to a higher one, like Uncharted style, all yeah. in one shot, and he grabs it. You're like, you know fucking powerful of a human being you have to be to do vault that yourself up to vault your yourself up with your that arms that is a rock climbing move though that's right? and that's all him yeah that's sly 100% and that's why I, I fuck that just felt so real to me and you're so into this movie at this point you're buying it all right there's so many things you could criticize about Sylvester Stallone but at the end of the day like the guy can write he can act sometimes when he has to He's one of the best, like, he, I, entertainers. He that, learns how to do all the physical things that are demanded of him in movies. He learns how to box dude, for The guy Rocky. is a legend, man. Yeah, he's I, a I, fucking legend. We should all, like, for all the crap movies that he has done, and there have been many, he's done so many excellent movies that we should all appreciate and feel lucky to have. Yeah, I mean, I mean the guy won the Academy Award. He right? did. Like, he did for Best Picture. Best Picture. For Rocky. The guy's a fucking, he's a legit guy. I, I love this movie. <laughs> Sorry. It's so good. So he climbs up there. It's cold as fuck. Finds and then, the case. Yeah. Smashes it open. Yeah. Sees all the cash. Yeah. And he's like flipping through. He's like, oh. <laughs> and then we go back down and get, and uh, they're like, well, we're going to, like when he gets back down, shoot him. Yeah. So Hal tips him off. He screams up to him like, go run. We're going to kill you. Gonna kill you. And uh, 
they start shooting up at him. <laughs> they don't just start shooting. They start blasting fucking rockets yeah, up at him. Yeah, the guy's got a grenade launcher. Yeah, long hair, long, long blonde hair has got a grenade launcher, and they're shooting up at him. There's this one shot that starts at the bottom. It's obviously CGI a little bit, right? But it pans all the way up the mountainside and stops at Sly as his back is like hugged against the mountain, and things are like deflecting and like bullets are exploding. Yeah, and they cause an avalanche. And he throws the case off at the same time, and the money just goes flying yeah. everywhere. So they hope they think he's dead. Yeah. Right? Well, I think even Quaylen says. Uh, your friend just had the most expensive funeral of oh, all Oh, what time. a great bad guy line. Yeah. And uh, long blonde hair gets taken off the mountain by the avalanche here. So yeah. one henchman one, down. One henchman down. So Jesse's been trying to call uh, Hal yeah. to find out what's going on because she can't get a hold of anybody. Quaylen makes him answer. Yeah, no codes, no nothing. Yeah, right? no funny business. So of course he gives her a code. Yeah, he says the wrong peak. <laughs> the wrong two locations, he said. So she cuts him off, but she figures out something's up. So uh, she starts to... So she leaves. She tells... What's that guy's name? The Frank. nice guy? Frank. She tells Frank that she's going to go with the helicopter to look for... Because uh, I guess the storm has calmed down a little bit anyway. To find them. And uh, we, we see... We cut to... We cut to Gabe, and he is like... He's still alive. He's climbing the freezing. mountain. He's freezing. He sees this old abandoned like cabin on the horizon. No, it's a... Uh... Like um, like a base camp. Um, yeah, it's like a base lodge, camp, like museum. But it's a museum too. Right? So you take tourists there on, right. on climbs and 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 uh, Jesse thinks that logically, like it's getting dark and the weather's picking up. That's the only place they could be. Yeah. So she goes there too, and she's in there, and Gabe busts in. And, oh, uh, like about to die. Yeah, about to die. Gives her about an hour's worth of exposition in like three sentences. Like the call, it was a fake. They got, they got Hal. They're going to kill him. A million dollars. And uh, in one of the... What I, I thought this was really funny. I don't know if you clocked this. So he's freezing to death. So she smashes open one of these antique cases and pulls out like an old mountain climber's... A pioneer like, sweater. Pioneer's sweater. Like, yeah. here you go. It's covered in glass. Like, don't hurt yourself. But like... Oh, movies. I know it's like a museum or whatever, but it's on the mountain. Is there not any like emergency blankets or anything in there like she has to smash open this case and give him this glass covered 100 year old mountaineering sweater I mean you'd think so you'd think there'd be a whole cabinet of like emergency fucking uh jackets and flares and all sorts of stuff there's there no way there wouldn't be but there's not not um, in this not in this museum so they decide to go they're gonna go after them obviously yeah they're gonna go after the cases um, they also take a bunch of this antique mountaineering gear they do because yeah uh, he's he, like a, he lost his shit he's got a new pickaxe a climbing axe he's got all sorts of stuff now yeah um, then we get another shot of that crazy futuristic tracking device. Um, Gabe and Jesse get to where they're going to the second case. Yeah, so first. It's, it's nightfall now, and they quickly they quickly make their way because Gabe knows this mountain, and and Hal is leading them on like he's taking them on like the fucking the scenic, scenic route, route right? Yeah. That uh, Travers does not appreciate. Um, so they find the the next it's the next case the next right? case they take it, they take it uh, they build a snowman and put, put the uh, tracking sensors for its eyes. Yeah, it's pretty funny. And they he's like, you got a pencil, and he like writes a little note. And they put it in the case that says trade, right? So, like, obviously he wants to trade the money for for Hal. But instead, they go looking for Gabe to kill him. Yeah. So, so the men, the, the, we'll say, uh, we'll call him Quaylen and his crew, uh, they get there and they see the snowman. Travers has a good line here where he, he just says, that bitch is still alive about Gabe. <laughs> Uh, and then, he says that bitch is still alive. Yeah. Wow. Actually, I don't think he says that. He says bitch is still alive. Uh, yeah. And then uh, we get a let's see. 
Well, now it's it's like they they, start, oh, they fan out, right? They, no, Quaylen's one of Quaylen's boys, the long haired guy, puts on night vision goggles. Ah, uh, right. And he spots Jesse and Gabe running off. He, he grabs a uh, uh, long hair and glasses. Yeah. Yeah. So he grabs like a shotgun or something and chases him down. Uh, gets in a fight with Gabe. Uh, so this is where we sorry. This is where we kind of learn that Gabe like he's big and he's muscular. He doesn't really have like combat skills like most Stallone characters. No, he's improvising. So he's all about picking up and throwing and grabbing and stuff. Right. right. He doesn't really have much else going on. Or swinging his climbing axe yeah. or something. Uh, so when this guy gets up on them, uh, on Gabe and Jesse, Gabe pulls out a flare and blinds him with it temporarily and then tackles because he's got the night vision goggles yeah. on and then he tackles him and then he fucking surfs his ass down the side of the mountain. Yeah, this is hilarious. <laughs> and uh, they get to the, finally get to the end. It's so long that like, he's yeah, literally like, riding him oh, and man. punching him at the same time. Oh, dude, I love it. It's so classic. Like, and they get to the edge of this cliff and the blonde guy goes flying off and Stallone uses his axe it's all to, slow-mo. to catch himself at the last second I love of the cliff. It. And I love it. And climbs his way back up. I love it. It's so good. I think once again, they think he's dead at this point. Yeah, or, you know, yeah, I think they keep, I think that's a recurring theme is they keep yeah, thinking they keep, that they've they gotten rid of him. Yeah. Out. Um, we also get here a quick shot of the Extreme Bros camping on the mountain. Right, and, they, and they're and they now lamenting their choice to go up on the, they're like, we'd rather be watching MTV, yeah. bro. I, don't wow. know, I didn't get that, what the dialogue there was, but it was pretty. I mean, it's clear, there was a point in time in Hollywood, man, where, like, when they needed dialogue for young people, they literally just deferred to what they thought young people sounded like yeah this is they, tone deaf to they like, did not have like uh, right like people talk you know mandate for this type of film right this <laughs> yeah. is not a Kevin Smith you know independent cinema like Clerks hadn't come out yet we weren't there you know what I mean like um, so after that shot of them camping just to establish that they're out there because they come back later uh, Quaylen and his crew go to that lodge and uh, I guess figure out that well, they they so see that they see the smashed uh, glass. They realize right. they were there. They all start eating power bars. Some right. product placement. Right. Did you notice that? No, I did not. No, they're eating power, power bars. bars. Nice. Pretty sure they were the the, the, the wrapping on the pack the packaging would suggest they sure. were power bars uh, uh, or power sauce bars. Power sauce bars. As yeah. long as they weren't Vita Peach Health Log. <laughs> Brad, could Homer have made it this far without the engineered nutrition of six kinds of apples? No way, Neil. Oh, this just in. Power Sauce is amazing. He's defied all medical advice and switched to Power Sauce's competitor. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So then we see Gabe and Jesse camping uh, by a money fire out in the forest. Yeah, so they're burning the money, which just goes to show, you know... How, what a stand-up guy Gabe is, right? Gabe's a stand-up guy. He doesn't want a, a, a dime of this to himself. He doesn't even want to s- stuff away one of those $1,000 bills for himself for later, right? No. So That's how you know he's a good guy. He's a good guy. So uh, Then we get uh, Quaylen and crew. and So I, I think we said it here, but basically they're keeping Hal with them to guide them through the mountain, right? Like that's... That's it. Right? That's yeah. it. Right? And it's implied they would kill him once they get there, but they keep making him tell them where to go. He's kind of making them take the long route, but he's taking them to where the third case is. It's on the top of the tower, which is like the high peak. High peak, I yeah. Think, I think it's the one that they were near in the beginning. Yeah, right? so they got to go back to square one, right? And as they're walking along, the extreme bros just kind no! of wandering out of the woods. Oh, it's so awful. 
awful because you just know something horrible is going to happen here. Yeah. Like, they really go out of their way to show that Quaylen and his crew are the worst possible fucking people. Like, way worse than the diehard terrorists. Like, worse than any of the fucking bad... Like, they really are, like, on the echelon of, like, the evil movie baddies. They are really bad. He, he Quaylen says at one point, it's not here, but he says later, uh... Kill, kill a few men and they call you a murderer. Kill a thousand, you're a conqueror. I think it's kill a million and you're yeah, a conqueror. Yeah, kill a million and you're yeah. a conqueror. Go figure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Doris uh, pulls out his long-range Uzi that he's got. It's fucking dope. It's pretty fucking and cool. And he lights these guys up. So, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go over the, 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 the cinematic choice they made here. So, he... Because he, he knows... Because Harley knows this is gonna be awful. He cuts the audio effects out completely and just plays slow dramatic music as the gun fires you know in slow motion so you don't hear the rounds you don't hear the rounds coming out and one of them just gets completely lit up they got the long blonde hair just gets completely lit up and the other guy starts to run and he actually manages to get off the mountain on a shoot yeah he gets to a a a cliff jumps off pulls his chute but then it's like too short of a jump, so he crash lands into some trees. Yeah, he goes, he, fucked up. he goes, whoa, before he crashes too. They even had that effect in there. This poor guy. Gnarly, man. Oh no, not fresh. Oh, my bones. So it's it's really fucking awful, man. Like it truly is. Like yeah. you're at this point, like at this point, you're truly like, these are the worst possible people. Like I hope they all die horrible, right. horrible. Yeah, they're deaths. good villains. There's, yeah. there's no redeeming qualities. So, and black and white. And Rooker is just like shattered by this. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he tried to warn. Him. And uh, Maggie and 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 uh, Gabe, who are Maggie, Jesse. Sorry, Maggie's her character. Sure. And I knew I was going to do that. I told you. <laughs> uh, so Jesse and 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 Gabe are. They see the guy on the parachute, and they're like, fuck, this is not good. They can hear the shooting. Yeah. Because they're on their way up to the tower as well. They but, know where they're going. Yeah. So they realize, I think Gabe acknowledges that uh, Hal has taken them on the scenic route to get yeah. there. So he points out that we can cut through this cave and get there before them. So they cut oh, through this the cave, cave that turns out to be full of adorable bats. Oh, God. <laughs> so Jesse, so it's so funny because Gabe's like, don't move. Don't move bats. As soon as she sees them, she's like, oh, fuck this. And they all just come flying out. It's like, man, you got to get a rabies shot now. Yeah. Big time. Check this out. In BC, where we live, like it was not this last, this summer, but last summer, this dude on the island smacked the bat away when he was at like a party outside. Uh-huh. And this like 21-year-old fucking life, full life ahead of him guy smacked the bat away, didn't notice anything happened, died of fucking rabies. Yeah. So that's, that's the crazy thing about rabies. I learned this... A, a pretty late in life, but it is once it gets past a certain. Um, once you start, level, to, once you, I think it's within within seventy two hours. You once your you symptoms. Once you start showing symptoms, it's you're done. You're done. Yeah, you it's got hundred percent more. No, ninety five percent. Yeah, like a couple of freakish. There's been a couple of freakish survivors. Yeah, there's a great episode of the podcast Radio Lab where they talk about the guy that. He, at first, they thought he had figured out a way to, like, save someone's life if they got rabies by inducing a coma. Right. And, like, kind of riding it out or whatever. But it doesn't But happen. then later, it turned out that maybe it's just the genes that this person had combined with that, uh, you know, approach or whatever saved her life. But that would be, like, a one in a million yeah, scenario. Yeah, and there's always going to be the freak people who are immune to this or that or whatever, right? But, yeah, like, it's like a, they say it's a, it's, a, like, 95% mortality rate. That's why I loved the uh, kind of 
and uh, is it maybe 28 days later where they compare like the the virus the, the rage virus to, to rabies because ra- yeah. that's kind of what it is for animals it kind of is the zombie virus yeah kind of right? the only thing cooler is uh, the last of us where they tap the cordyceps the cordyceps but that's a real thing too because yeah. the, can they, take, uh, they take over like insect life cordyceps mushrooms infect insects it's, and control their brain and make them like make them grow uh, up and up and up yeah they'll walk out of the top of like blades of grass and then get eaten by and, birds and uh, prehistoric times I think pre-dinosaur times there were giant uh, skyscraper sized cordycep uh, like structures really wow. like naturally Trippy. yeah they have fossils of that mushrooms stuff. are real cool guys they really are look, look it up look it up there's a, a mushroom in I think it's in the Pacific Northwest it's like a type of fungus in this forest and it's they, there's mushrooms that are these whatever type of fungi that pop up everywhere in the forest but they're actually all a single genome that's just continued to grow forever so technically yeah. it's like one giant mushroom that takes up hundreds of square miles or something it's nuts crazy. man there's yeah. mushrooms that to, that are like so delicious and you can just eat them like uh like truffles right like they're yeah. just they grow underground you can pick you can literally just take them out of the dirt and you can uh just chow them right down yeah. and it's totally fine but there are mushrooms that like the but like the dude from uh what's it called um uh, the, into the wild guy, right? Like where you eat yeah, them, you and, eat the wrong and, mushroom, and you fucking die, yeah. like straight up. And then there's some other mushrooms that you eat. There's some other mushrooms that if you, eat, you have a middle. have a real good night, and for about two hours, you've completely figured it all out. Yeah, you've figured it all out. You kind of forget your own name for a little bit, but you know the meaning of life and everything associated to it. Yeah, you see, like you know, trees, us, rocks, we're all the same. You know interconnected and then you wake uh, up the next day and you've completely forgotten your point you're like fuck what was all that wokeness I felt yesterday I should have written it down but no you shouldn't have well then when you do write it, it down make any sense. you wake up and you pick up a piece of paper and it says once bread becomes toast it can no longer be bread again that's from uh, Spin City yeah <laughs> uh, but anyway back to the movie uh, where were we the bats the bats uh, well, let's see cave full of adorable bats uh, then we see that Frank has gotten into the helicopter and he's coming to look so he's super it's, worried it's now morning. yeah so he's super worried now he sees the uh, he sees wolves licking at the poor kid who's crashed in the trees and he actually rescues so w- thankfully one of the two Extreme Bros does actually survive. He gets uh, he gets helicoptered to safety. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, this movie would have been so much more dark. <laughs> and, and we're not even done yet. <laughs> um, then we also now cut to Paul Winfield and these two FBI guys they're, in a helicopter. They're looking around now, trying too. Trying to look around as well. Yeah. Paul Winfield, man. What a boss. I love that guy. Oh, yeah. I looked it up. He 100% is the... I can't remember the captain's name, but it's the episode is called Darmok. Yeah. That's the Dharma. I know it's, it's, it's with the, when they all speak in metaphors and stories and yeah, stuff, right? Yeah, it's like this race that they. And the universal they, translator no can't No one's been it. able to. Like, they have like a, a formidable like uh, space fleet or whatever, yeah. but they can never broach like diplomatic relations with them because they can't communicate. It's the one language. It's the one language in the Starfleet in uh, Federation history. The universal translator can't can't figure, uh, out. Can't figure out. Yeah. <laughs> Great episode. Um, so let's see here. So this is when they go into the cave, right? And they're starting to shimmy up. But at the they're same time, out of the cave. but at the same time, Hal has taken them to this long wooden bridge that looks super fun to walk across. And he says, "We got to cross this bridge." And uh, Sly has met. He leaves uh, Jesse down at the bottom, but he's managed to shimmy his way he up. Pokes his axe out of the ice. And. Uh, Darice yeah, spots him. He spots him. And so he's there waiting for him when he gets out. Oh, this is a great scene. And he's got him at gunpoint. He's basically, he wants the money. He's like, I'll, I'll tell you what, you give me the money, I'll just kill you and I'll, I'll let your girl go. And he kind of reluctantly is like, okay. 
and he pulls out his climbing axe and slashes him in the leg. I love the gore because it's like this old timey way that they used to do uh, cuts where like it would slash across and this like thick stream of blood would flow and fly right out of the cut. It's that clear cornstarchy. Yeah, goop. And you just fling it everywhere. Yeah, it sticks to everything. It looks so good. Uh, So yeah, he slashes him. Um, Doris starts shooting at him. Falls back uh, down. Gabe drops back down to the cave and takes cover. Uh, Doris climbs down to, uh, to catch up with well, him. Right before that, Lithgow, or, uh, Quaylen says, like, don't fucking do that. Like, let it go. It's over. We're going to bomb that area. Yeah. Don't waste your fucking time. But Doris is, like, offended now. Yeah. Yeah, because he got slashed. Yeah. Right? He's, he f- fancies himself a badass. He's got to kill this guy. He actually is. And he is. He gets down there. And at first, he gets the, the one up on Gabe and beats the Dude, fuck out of him. he is just flinging. So, I don't I think Sylvester's the, I love the way he fights. He's throwing like these like chops and like palms. Oh, it's, I, think, I think they mentioned earlier, it was like a throwaway line, like he was a Navy SEAL or something, like some type of like high level. Because he's doing like full on like roundhouse, like jujitsu kicks on him and yeah, stuff like that. He's like the silent badass. He's kicking Sly around like. Like just and like how how often in a movie does Sylvester Stallone get completely fucking like ragdolled? Totally. Like he's getting picked up and thrown through stalagmites uh-huh. and just like beaten up. And Jesse tries to uh, fight and he fucking. Oh, just- no, J- Jesse tries first. She tries to she gets his gun, his Uzi, and she points it on, fires, and it clicks. And he turns and looks at her. He's like, "No bullets, bitch." Nice. Yeah. <laughs> he he calls her a bitch a couple of times. Uh, he uh, gets stolen. He gets a or uh, gets Gabe. Gets a one up on him again. Uh, I think he says, uh, "Oh, uh, he says, where's the money?" He's convinced Sly is lying to him. Yeah, he's convinced Sly has stashed the money and wants to, and, and he wants to keep it yeah. for himself. And so Gabe says to him, "You you hit like a sissy." Oh God. And so Darius says, uh, "Wrong answer, motherfucker." I love that. Yeah, and just beats the shit out of him more. I don't remember how Gabe gets the upper hand on him. Because he's talking, because he's doing the classic villain thing where talking he's talking too much. too much and he grabs him by the balls. Yeah. Bear, gorilla presses him over his head. Oh my and god. Jabs him up, impales him on a stalactite. Oh, it's so goopy, man. It's amazing. Oh, yeah, he pushes him through it and the whole, this whole like, stalactite is covered in blood. Oh, it's just dripping and gooping down. Yeah, all over And Maggie, game. or uh, Jesse just looks horrified. Just like, yeah. oh my god. This is my favorite part. So he drops him down and he like falls down and he sees this big gaping hole in his back and then she just like runs up. She's like, Gabe, are you okay? <laughs> yeah. I guess that's really gross, but are you okay? I guess they'll deal with the therapy bills later. <laughs> God, one of the best, I gotta say, man, one of the best kills in that, cinematic history. That is an all-timer. Oh, man. Just, just YouTube it. Just look up stalactite kill. It's not even like he just grabs him and throws him into it. No. It's like pro wrestling. Like, it's pro Picks re- him up over his head like Gorilla Monsoon and lifts him straight up into this stalactite. As hard as he can. And remember, everybody, stalagmites are on the bottom, stalactites are on the top, the T for top. That's how you remember. Anywho. Jesus Christ. uh, Anyway, uh, (laughs) moving on. So the Quaylen's girl, what's her name? Uh, Crystal. Crystal is um, arming some C4. So they're going to blow up the The hole hole where where they were fighting in the cave. Uh, And... Hal warns them. He gets again. That's the second in. time. He's like, "Yo, Gabe, they're gonna fuck you over again." And he grabs the radio. Yeah. You hear it on the radio. 
uh, Darius's radio. They must just hate Hal by this point, eh? Yeah. They, they just gotta. These henchmen just must be like, man. As soon as is we're it done, worth it. As soon as we're done with, well, Travis. Could, could we so. figure out how to climb this mountain without him? Yeah. Maybe we need to figure that out. We need a better guide. Uh, so, uh, Gabe and Jesse run out of the back of the cave. And with their old mountaineering gear and this ancient rope, they rappel off the side of the cliff. This is such a good scene. It's so cool. It's like an uncharted. It's like uncharted. It is like man. uncharted. They're doing that thing where they swing left and right further and further get each more time to momentum. get to like another piece of cliff that's not where it's going to blow up. And they do it just in time. The, obviously, the rope uh, snaps at the last second. It's like a sixty-year-old rope or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. I think he even says like, "Is this rope gonna?" She says, "Is this rope gonna hold us?" Nope. And he's like, "No, nope. <laughs> I don't think so." Uh, and they, yeah, anyway, obviously they get to the other side of the cliff, an, an overhang, under an overhang, right as the C4 goes off and they survive yet again. Well, there's a bit of a deja vu moment too, because he grabs her by the hand and has to pull her back up. That's right, yeah. Um, doesn't drop, doesn't drop the one he actually is banging, so. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's a little more important. Uh, so... The next thing that happens the sad is scene. the sad scene. Now, even sadder than the one we had before. Definitely. So they set a trap for uh, Frank. So we haven't really gotten too much into Frank, but Frank is like the older guy who works for... The actor's name is Ralph Waite. He's like an old-timey character actor. You've looked, looked the guy up. You see his face. You've seen him in endless movies and TV shows over the years. Yeah. Uh, and and he's great in this movie. And yeah, so, and he's just a hero. Like, he's going, he saves the kid. He's just looking for his friends. You, you assume he was a mountaineer in his early days. Yeah, he was a cliffhanger when he yeah. was physically able to do so, right? Right. So, and he's in the helicopter. And yeah. they need the helicopter. That's why they set this trap. So it's a bit of exposition. He's like, the kid's going to county or to hospital or whatever, you know, in critical condition. Uh, but I'm going to resume my search now. The bro, the, the extreme bro. The, the bro kid, yeah. Um, so he sees basically the, the trap is uh, Crystal has a, is laying on the ground, has a flare. Yeah. And he spots her and he lands and he runs over to try to save her and she pulls a gun on well, him. Well, she takes his, he has this really fancy fucking 357 Magnum in his, oh, that's uh, right. in yeah. his, in his uh, holster and she whips it out and points it at him. And, uh, like, what, are you, what are you doing? I'm here to save you. At this point, uh, Englishman, I think, just to be a piece of shit, yeah. goes up there and just fucking massacres. Yeah, shoots him like six times. Again. Trend in this movie. They use the same effect he did with the, with the two dude bros. The, the, all the sound cuts except for ominous, like, slow, slow dramatic music, and it just, like, shoots the guy to pieces and, like, just squibs exploding everywhere, just so we know that Frank has been shot, like, 13 fucking times in the chest. Yeah. And even the crystal at this point is like, why did you do that? She like, calls him a maniac. Yeah, like, that's not even, like, because this is an old man, you know? Like, I think even, like... At this point, even the toughest, like, psycho-terrorists got, got to be, like, exhausted with the murder of, like, non-combatants, right? You got to be kind of like, okay, we didn't sign up for this, right? Like, we just wanted the money. We thought we'd kill some feds, maybe. It's always like, that one guy on, a, like, a team of bad guys. Just doesn't care. That's No, I think it's, like, he's, like, a sociopath, like, murderer type or even, like, a, a serial killer type mentality. And this is his, uh, his way he gets it out. Yeah. You know, he's like, like, well, if I get in a extreme crime and heists I'll, I'll get, get to I'll get to kill a bunch of people yeah. um so yeah uh, Gabe and Jesse find him uh there and uh that's yeah this is really sad it's pretty powerful or no I think is it is Gabe for no him? it's Hal Hal runs Hal, up Hal right. runs up to him and like holds his hand as he dies but then because this is a movie and we talked about this earlier with his last dying breath he moves Hal's hand to his 
pocket where he's got a fucking like hunting like a pocket knife one of those flip knives right mm-hmm. so he gives that to Hal and Hal stuffs it in his boot yeah right for, for later use and at this point now uh, Hal and uh, Maggie, uh, Jesse have come around and they're about to cross the bridge and there's a fucking tripwire yeah and uh, Gabe sets off the tripwire turns around like run run back and they yeah. run back to the other side of the bridge but it's too late for the last it's minute. too late for Gabe right because he falls all doesn't he like go all the way down is this where they get separated yeah this is where they get separated yeah. so uh, she's on the one side he ends up falling all the way down and this is when the things are really starting to because uh, this is when he finds the last case, I think, yeah, right? Yeah, so, he, yeah, he finds the last... So, Gabe finds the last case first, starts stuffing all the money... Into a backpack. Into a backpack. Also, uh, we'll explain why later, but he t- takes note of a little animal hole and the sound of a scurrying animal in it beside the case. So... They, uh, they follow the tracker there to the... Uh, no, so I guess they kind of split up, right? One thing that happens... This, what happens next is uh, they're at the helicopter, Quaylen and Travers and uh, the henchmen. Yeah. And they're having a debate. Oh, I can't believe I skirted over this part. Yeah. yeah. Talk, take, take us through this, so, uh, this scene. Basically, uh, Quaylen demands... They're talking even about maybe killing Travers or like leaving him behind or something. And he demands... He gives him the uh, tracker... And he gives it to him, but it's got codes, right? Only only Travers knows the codes. He's like, 5,000 possible combinations. Yeah. You know, you need me, basically. And uh, Quaylen says, like, I'm in charge here or whatever. Travers pulls out a gun. And uh, Quaylen's like, oh, look what Travers found. Yeah, I love this scene. And uh, maybe he is in charge after all. And he points it at Quaylen. And... Uh, Quaylen says, uh, "What does he say?" So he grabs Crystal, he, he grabs Crystal hard, hard, pulls her in tight, and he goes, "Do you know what the true definition of love is? Sacrifice." And he blasts her from the back three times through the back, kills her, and then he says, really, just casually to Travers, like, "And now I'm the only pilot left. We're partners again. We're partners again. I love it. Just to, as, as if we didn't know that uh, Quaylen was an evil and psycho piece of shit." It has now been firmly established. He just killed his girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah he's a true bad guy. <laughs> yeah, a real bad guy. Uh, and then uh, Hal, who we now know as packing a knife that nobody knows about, uh, gets into a fight with... Well, so he confronts him. Well, what happens is there's a quick conversation when Hal isn't there between Quaylen and the heavy guy, the, yeah. the, the, the Brit guy, the, we'll call him the soccer player. The soccer player. Uh, he uh, tells him to kill... Hal, yeah. but be quiet about it. And uh, so he goes over to kill Hal and pulls the gun on him. But Hal starts trash talking. Hal starts him. talking shit. He's like, you're a piece of shit. Because by the laws of movies, okay. if you if you damage the, per, the the henchman's ego enough, he'll put down his gun and challenge you to a mano y mano battle. Right, yeah, his ego has been uh, hurt. So he can't. he's not just going to shoot him, he's got to beat him up a little first. So... In the, in the grand tradition of the, what happens to the heroes in this film, the, Hal gets the living shit kicked out of him as this guy recounts his, his sad history as a failed soccer player. Yeah, as he's beating him up, he's talking about... He's I like, was a great striker! Yeah. I love soccer! And he's doing, he's doing shit like, uh, oh yeah, I could kick it from, from the penalty box and he'll like boot him in the face. Yeah, or it's like, so classic, man. It's such a classic, uh, it's such a classic trope of like this era of movies where, you know, you have this, this henchman with this skill that he didn't, he didn't make it as, so he's going to somehow translate it to his like evil combat style. Yeah. So in this case, it's kicking a soccer ball. So he's kicking Michael Rooker in the head. So, uh, Rooker... 
How? How? Gets sorry. He gets his. Uh, he gets. He finally gets to use his little knife. He's, he gets kicked halfway off the edge of this. But cliff. the actual. Like, take us through the actual kill scene here, because it's something else. Yeah. So he uh, he's hanging like off the cliff. Uh, the soccer guy steps on his hand. Uh, Hal takes the knife out of his boot or wherever it is and stabs him in the calf and then reaches up, grabs the shotgun off the guy's shoulder and from hanging on the cliff, blasts him like... You know what he says first? Season's over. Season's over, asshole. (laughs) Boom! Boom, shotguns him in the the chin. Oh, real good. Yeah, it's pretty great. It's pretty badass. So Hal finally gets his moment here. Um, Yeah, and then... uh, so how how is now uh, free of these guys? Yeah, and then uh, we've already seen you know uh, uh, Sly take the money and hide it, and now we have Travers Off fucking on his own with the lo- losing his mind. Like he's he's done. He's snapped. He doesn't care anymore. He doesn't want the money now. You know the 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 fucking there's a bunny rabbit attached to the sensor. Yeah, so he, he he tracks down the last case with his tracker. He's by himself and it's moving all around. He's yeah. flipping ice, swearing up a storm. It's really funny, and he realizes that the tracker is just tied to a little bunny rabbit. He shoots it a bunch with his Uzi that he's got. One of my favorite moments of this part is he calls Quail and he goes, Quail, it's over. They got it. They won. And he goes, Will you stop saying my name? And he goes, I don't give a fuck, Eric. Quailing, yeah. Eric fucking Quailing. Like, it's yeah. so funny. Like, yeah. he's totally snapped. And and uh, he gives away uh, their position because yeah. the FBI guys in their helicopter are now close enough that they pick up this radio transmission. Yeah, and they're like, it's Travers? It also says, zero in on that transmission. Like, it's a fucking radio. Uh, look, it's 90s technology. Anyway. Right? Fake 90s tech. They're FBI guys. Maybe yeah, they got all this. They got, some, something they got microwave, there. you know? Yeah. Um, so... Uh, Quaylen decides to bail, get into the helicopter and take off by himself. But then he sees Jesse yeah. just standing there being like, what? Last yeah. second. He put, draws a gun on her and we, he picks her up, right? Takes her hostage. Uh, Travers finds Gabe and starts shooting at him. Well, no, so Gabe is stalking him, right? And they're in this, like, they're now they've gone down a little lower and there's like an ice lake. Well, that, that's how it happens. Trevor sees him first. Yeah. Shoots at him. Gabe runs off. He, he winged him because there's blood dripping. Yeah. He follows the blood trail. And he gets to this weird little... It's like a frozen lake with a, a couple little bridges over yeah. it or something. And this is a clear soundstage scene. Yeah, this is this looks like a Star Trek this is next a, generation this is, this is like one of the few scenes that was clearly filmed on a soundstage. Uh, so... Uh, Travers crosses one of the bridges thinking that's where Gabe went. Gabe pops up out of the water from under the bridge and grabs his ankles and, like, trips him. Anyway, they get in a big fight. Uh... Gabe goes under the water through the ice and uh, he can't break through the ice so Travers gets on the ice on top of him and he's about to shoot him and fucking Gabe's got his uh, how does he get that back? I don't know how he got it back but he's got he's got his uh, bolt anchor gun. bolt gun thing and he shoots three of them out from under the ice because that's Travers. possible yeah and it just this ripped Travers apart it was pretty great I mean it, it's ridiculous but it's oh, it a gruesome good. weapon to get shot with it looks with, good for sure so Lithgow you know calls up Gabe on the radio and says there's one final act to play and uh, reveals that He's got Jesse, and they have to go for a trade. Yeah, puts her on the line for a second. He says, basically, meet me at the highest point of the peak that you're on now, and uh, we'll yeah we'll make the trade. So uh, they meet up at the top and on the peak, and he lets Jesse go. Yeah, Quaylen does, and then Gabe uh, is supposed to give him the money, <laughs> and instead he ties the cable that's hanging down from the helicopter to this like old railing, yeah. metal railing thing, 
and that sends the chopper flying out of control. It gets, so it's well, tethered. before he does that, he throws the money into the into the propeller. That's right. That's what yeah. sends him kind of veering yeah. off, and then he runs out the length of the cable, and it jerks the helicopter down, so it's hanging off the side of this cliff, and. Uh, Gabe, uh, how, how, do they, how does he get down there? Well, it drags him down because he's up on the ladder. So he's That's right, yeah, ladder. he's on the ladder that it's this tied ladder, like, time. Pe- I don't know how they film that, man. The ladder like peels off the side of the mountain with someone hanging on yeah, to it. Yeah, it's gnarly, yeah. So it's Gabe like, basically falls on top of the copter that's hanging off the cliff, and uh, Quaylen pulls him... Uh, pulls himself up and they fight on the top of I the love, helicopter. I love when movies when like the old man uh, bad guy somehow manages to like be the physical match of the. I knew you were gonna say that. Action I, I hero of it too. Who's like a fucking Adonis? Yeah, this also happened. Stallone would absolutely um, murder. A him. more recent example of this is my least favorite of the Daniel Craig James Bond movies, The Quantum of Solace. Like the little French guy, uh, great actor Matthew Almeric. I love him, right? But he's like the villain in that, and him and. Uh, Craig are having a fist fight at the end and first of all in real life Daniel Craig is a fucking tank uh, absolutely and this guy is like 5 foot 4 and 160 pounds probably and he's like knocking Daniel Craig down with punches and yeah. that was that's, that's what this reminded me of although I do like how he goes how uh, Quaylen goes it's just you and me now you piece of shit the way he <laughs> says it is so funny you piece of shit you piece of shit uh but then, not to be outdone, uh, Gabe has the final uh, action movie quip when he says to him, uh, remember, shithead, keep your head and arms inside the vehicle at all times. Oh, yeah. And he, he punches him and he falls inside the helicopter and it, it snaps. Well, he's still hanging on. He's still hanging on. The helicopter snaps and it plummets and explodes. You get a great death face. In a, in a, yeah, great death face from, from John Lithgow. Oh, man. And that's basically it. Gabe climbs back up to the top. Uh, the FBI guys get there just in time uh, to be a big help. And uh, they rescued them off the top of the mountain. And the credits roll. The credits roll. And that's fucking cliffhanger. And that's cliffhanger. What a fucking ride. Uh, cliffhanger is... I would describe it as a nonstop action thrill ride. Yeah. And I would definitely give it five bolt gun rounds out of five. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give it... Uh, Two stalagmites and three stalactites for a total of five. Excellent. Excellent. Do you have any final thoughts about it, or do you want to just move on to questions? Nah, man. What else can you say? It's Uh, a sweet-ass action movie. If you haven't seen it, if you like action movies from that era at all, or you haven't seen it in a while, holds up. It really holds holds up. up It really holds up. And I think it's uh, what you always say, man. If a movie from that era doesn't rely on CGI to, to... butter its bread it's probably going to hold up and this one really does 100% alright well that's Cliffhanger uh, we'll be back with some questions in a sec bye. bye what are your names Tucker and Walker well Tucker and Walker we're missing three bags what's in them none of your fucking business alright we are back with questions and I only have one question this week for you Chris uh this movie obviously involves a lot of cliffhanging and mountain climbing and mountain things in general. Mm-hmm. You know, are there any other mountain-related movies that you like? Um, man, I wish I had thought about this. Uh, I'm throwing you uh, a curveball. Curve I, I, I don't know if I could think of anything. I actually did mention this to you. I mean, years, so. uh, yeah. <laughs> a little peek behind the curtain. Sometimes we tell each other the questions. <laughs> um, I, I mean, it's not a mountain movie, what well, kind of is, but I love the way the mountains are shot in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I would like, actually that's like call a like, big memory of that movie for me is the mountain particularly scenes. the Fellowship of the Ring has some fantastic mountain scenes in it, right? Yeah, that I, sure. I even mentioned one of them when we were talking about this. Yeah. So. You know, it's another weird one. Uh, one of my all-time favorite movies, Princess Mononoke. It's got a lot of mountains is, in it too. It takes place in the mountains, and there's a lot of cool shots of like vistas and 
you know, there's like a scene where they can see the army of the boars marching through the yeah. terrain of the mountains. And by, of course, uh, by boars, we're talking about actual wild boars and not the Dutch South African settlers. Yeah, B-O-A-R. <laughs> the boars. <laughs> That's not this kind of podcast. It's a joke for you history nerds out <laughs> yeah. there. Uh, yeah, those are... Uh, I like those answers because they're off the board. Um, a couple other straight-up mountain movies that aren't as... Like, Cliffhanger is very unique, right? Because it's Die Hard on a Mountain. But a couple other uh, mountain movies... Um, there's... Oh, my God. I'm, I knew I should have written it down. Uh, but a couple of good ones. Vertical Limit is a, oh, is a, Limit. Is a, is a fun watch. Uh, Everest, which came out a couple years ago with Joel Edgerton. That's a really good one. Okay. Um, oh, I'm blanking on this one. It's a, it's a Scottish movie about these mountain climbers who find a, a Serbian girl like in a cage underground and they rescue her but then the guys who are smuggling her like go looking for her and start stalking the uh, mountain climbers. Well, this sounds great. Yeah, and it stars Melissa George. You know, she's an English lady. You've seen her in a bunch of stuff. I think so. Yeah, it's, I'm, fuck, I'm blanking on it right so now. I'll look it up while I... I'll look it up when we go, I'll look it up when we take our break for uh, <laughs> okay. for what we learned because I had it written down and I don't a know rare, what happened to it. A rare lapse in movie memory recall from I had it on, Nathan. I had it on the tip of my tongue and it's gone. To be... To, Perfectly honest with you guys, I'm like three vodka sodas deep now. So. <laughs> uh, I, while you were talking about that, something a memory did pop into my head, which is the scene of uh, from Rocky Four, where Rocky's training in Russia and he uh, runs up that mountain and like you know raises his hand, Drago. Yeah. Like that's pretty. Cool. Also, Captain Clerk is climbing a mountain. Why is he climbing Cap- a mountain? Captain Clerk. Did I say Clerk? <laughs> Okay, I, we gotta wrap this up before the vodka really ruins. <laughs> Things everything. are going downhill real fast. All right, we're gonna be back. Hold on, right off that cliff. Wait, hang on, I got questions. Oh, you got questions? Yeah. Okay, uh, I got answers. Okay, so mine are mine are quick and easy. So I mean, first of all, uh, Nathan, uh, would you rather be named Hal or Gabe? Well, I re- I guess I have to pick Hal because I have a nephew named Gabe, and that would be weird. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna go with Hal. At least when I get older, Hal's kind of a cool. Like old, old man name, old drunk Uncle Hal. Yeah, Hal, Uncle Hal. Yeah. Okay, and then on the opposite side of that same coin, would you rather be named Travers or Quaylen? Travers. Okay, so Hal Travers. Hal Travers, and you're uh, Hal Quaylen. I'm going Travers. Yeah. I, I, maybe it's because I love the character. Wow, we never agree. We're usually like one or the other. This time, handsome boys are united. Yeah. Hal Travers, star of Cliffhanger Two. All right, that the, was the cliffhanging. <laughs> cliffhanger too. All right, as always, questions hang, hang harder. Short and sweet. Uh, we'll be back with what we learned, and I'll look up the name of that movie. Bye. We like it extreme. Okay, we're back with what we learned. And wait, that, wait, real quick. What was that movie? A lonely place to die. A lonely so place to die. Look that up. Starring Melissa George. A really good uh, amount. A lot, lot of actual cliffhanging in this movie as well. The Scottish so. Highlands is a cool setting. It is. Movie. I gotta say, this is probably the closest movie to cliffhanger you're gonna find. Okay. So, uh, and the hero is a skinny, uh, a skinny girl who's got to fight like Serbian mobsters. So it's pretty right. dope. Well, now that your your honor has been restored. Yeah. Uh, what did you learn this week? So I learned a little, a couple of cool tidbits. Of about this movie, nothing, uh, nothing tongue in cheek. Uh, one of the first thing I learned was so when this movie was in its inception, you know, as, as many as, as it often goes with this type of film, there's diff- different directors attached. I think really Scott was attached to it at one point, you know. But one of the the first script that was written, <laughs> are you familiar with the works of Joe Esterhaus? 
I don't think so. So Joe Estrehas was the king of the erotic thriller. So he wrote basic, <laughs> so he wrote Basic Instinct and Showgirls. Okay. A lot of those types of movies. So he was given first crack at this and paid five hundred thousand dollars. And he wrote this as an erotic thriller. <laughs> I'm not making this up, man. He wrote oh, a he wrote cliffhanger I as an erotic. I know. Like oh. where would it? Where would the eroticism have? Just the phrase erotic thriller alone is so funny to like, me. Like it's so fucking funny, man. Like I just. I wonder what it was going to be like. Joe Cliffhanger. An erotic thriller. Cliffhanger. So he's just like, so he's fucking uh, Jesse the whole time and then Hal's like fantasizing about it while Quaylen's, or maybe Hal bangs uh, Crystal while Quaylen's like, you know, on the radio. Who knows how this would have gone down. Sarah Topless when she falls off the... And at one point, uh, Kim Basinger was attached to be the, the female lead. So they went through a few female leads before. Janine Turner really was like super famous at the time. Like Northern Exposure was like a number, like a top show. So, but yeah, interesting. eh? I thought you'd like. I thought you'd like that, man. I do. I really wish that movie. Oh my god! Uh, The other thing I learned, we kind of touched on it earlier when we were talking about that stunt. So, the stunt between the two planes, where the where the guy ziplines down one plane to another, was a real stunt. A real guy did it. Uh, I found out they paid this stunt man in 1993. One million dollars. Ooh, baby. To do this fucking stunt. That's a spicy meatball. This guy, man, he probably was just like, well, that's it for me. I'm never doing another stunt again. I'm just going to take this fucking million dollars and invest it in Microsoft or Apple or some shit. Do you think he was like, uh, I wouldn't do that shit for a million dollars. And then they were like, well, but like, what if we did give you a million dollars? And then he was like... Uh, mm, mm. like all at once or tax free or can I I see it first (laughs) hopefully he got paid in Italy (laughs) (laughs) anyway that's all I have I just thought those were two pretty cool tidbits about this movie um, and yeah, this is, I don't know, man, of all the movies that we've done in The Handsome Boys so far, this has got to be one of my favorites. Yeah. Like, um, this movie is just, it's so, ri- like, we've had a lot of luck lately, like The Rock, uh, The Fugitive, uh, which we're going to release in a couple of days. Lesson learned, uh, 90s action movies man. often hold up. I think the 90s, and I think we've talked about this before, that truly was the golden age of action movies. And yeah. we're gonna, we got, we, there's an infinite number more that we're going to do. It's a treasure trove. So uh, stay tuned. For that, otherwise, um, I think that's it for us this week. Oh, uh, big shout out to uh, Erica, our producer, who, as always, makes this all possible. Uh, she's a fucking gem. We love her. A miracle worker. Yeah. You'll hear it in our you'll, the Fugitive episode will already be out at this point. That's probably our best editing yet. Yeah. We've had a lot of great clips of The Simpsons it's and whatnot. Be a really fun one. Shout out to you, Erica. Uh, also, real quick, uh, follow us on Instagram at uh, Handsome Boys Pod. Uh, that's me. You can message me. I'll talk to you. You can tell me movies you want us to do. I'll listen to feedback. Yeah, whatever. Or, uh, you can find me on there too, Nathan. Uh, Nathan, I think it's like Nathan D Ward or something lame like that. Nathan. Yeah. So good luck finding that. And uh, oh, also, um, if you're listening to this and you like it, even if you're our friends, but anyway, anybody listening to this, if you like it and you want to listen to another episode, just subscribe to the feed. You, you know, uh, you'll get the episodes as soon as they come out, and that looks really good for us. That it helps really gets us more attention. Gets us more uh, searches. Or yeah. like you can push push us up on the search. If you want to be more. real cool, leave a review on either. Uh, yeah, none of you guys have left reviews. Leave a fucking yeah, review, re- please. What, it takes ten seconds. Come on, guys. Come on. We're actually now appealing to be you. Be cool, man. This is this. We've been nice long enough. We thought you were cool. We thought you were cool. 
Uh, and but you are. Anybody who does listen to this is. Also, tell your friends. Like, tell your friends if they want to listen to a, a movie podcast with a couple of cool, funny, handsome guys. Tell them you, they want to get in on the ground floor before these guys even buy a proper recorder or figure any of this yeah. shit out. Yeah. You're still learning to edit. Yeah, if you want to be one of those cool people who could say, I was there before we blew up and became the most popular podcast in Western Canada. Yeah, we're like the velvet underground of podcasts. Yeah, Andy Warhol is here, and he's painting a picture of Chris's balls in 10 different colors. <laughs> anyway, that'll do it. That'll and, do it for this uh, week. All right. Well, go fuck yourselves. I second that. Goodbye. My hands were steady. My eyes were clear and bright. My walk had purpose. My steps were quick and light. And I held firm to what I felt was right Like a rock Like a rock I was strong as I could be Like a rock Nothing ever got to me Like a rock I was something to see Like a rock